episode 125 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts. My name's Brandon Shawan, and joining me tonight are my two other co-hosts, Ash Collins and Mark Nadeau. Ash, how is April treating you thus far? Um, all over the fucking place. Yeah. I got 60 <laughs> degrees one day and yep. fucking snow and 30 the next. Exactly. Awesome. Not I know it sucks. We're supposed to get snow tonight into tomorrow, and I am fucking annoyed. But uh, the Midwest gotta love it. And how about you, Mark? How's how's life treating you? Oh, fine. It's uh, you know spring, winter, and allergy season right now. So uh, my my body's taking a bit of a toll. Uh, I, uh, you know, plus having two cats, and they're you know not sure if the, if they should be shedding their winter coat or not. So uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, my sinuses are on fire. So <laughs> I'm loaded on drugs. I got some nasal sprays going so I don't sound too nasally tonight. And I'm ready to talk movies. Excellent. That's what I like to hear. So tonight we are going to continue our Enter the Matrix arc with a review of 2003's The Matrix Reloaded. And we'll also review episodes five and six of season one of the TV series Slash, which can be found on Netflix. And we are going to do this as quickly as possible because Michigan is playing in the Frozen Four tonight and Winnipeg is playing for their playoff, or I'm sorry, not for their playoff lives, but for the first in the league, potentially, you said. So that's exciting. Well, first in a conference, if they win the two games and the Predators lose their two games, and if everybody else shits the bed, could be first in the league, that which, crazy. Uh, which makes, trophy. makes my erection double long. Right. But you know, if they win the President's Trophy, they're pretty much fucked because... Nobody that wins the President's Trophy does anything in the playoffs. So Until now. Yeah, right, exactly. All right, so before all that, though, let's talk about how you can find us on social media. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And you can email us at contact at Cinefessions.com. And you can also leave us a voicemail if you want to be part of the show at 1-302-448-TALK. That's 1-302-448-8255. You can also check out our long list of past reviews and all 125 podcast episodes right on over at cinefessions.com. Also, if you are a fan of the show, please do us a huge favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Those iTunes reviews are essential to helping us grow, so we thank you for your support on there. And just as importantly, if you do like what you hear here every week, please let your friends know about us. The more people that know about us, the more people that can listen, and the larger our listener base can grow. And the more clout we can have in the podcasting world, which, damn it, it's all about clout. So tell your friends. Tell your friends. And leave us iTunes reviews. They always help. And I will admit, ever since we got rank, uh, started getting, uh, we got our five-star ranking on iTunes, our listenership has doubled. So that's clear uh, and, and very present proof that those iTunes reviews help. So we thank you guys for all of your support, however it is you choose to support us, if at all. Yes, thank you very much. All right, Ash, what have you done this past week in the world of media or otherwise? Not a whole lot, except finish The Punisher and holy shit. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that last yeah. that last fight, it was awesome. Oh, God. Well, not even just the last fight, the, 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 like, the second to last fucking episode. Oh, my God. Ah, that just... Yeah, that that whole sequence is fucking brutal. I mean, I mean, the last fight was a fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but but him just yeah that I I can't even really talk about it because it spoils it. Ah, yeah, but yeah, now yeah, if you 
yeah, if you liked Daredevil season two with Punisher in it, definitely watch Punisher because that was fucking awesome. Yeah, I, I find, you know, the last few episodes make up for a bit of a lull in the middle of the season. Um, but uh, yeah, those last two episodes are action packed and uh, <laughs> so much fun to watch. So that that's pretty much been it for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty light week this week. I hear you there. I'm kind of in the same boat. Um, yeah, so for myself, I, again, just watching most of my time spent has been watching wrestling, um, old wrestling on WWE Network. So I decided that I wanted to kind of, I mentioned last week, kind of watch through the Attitude Era. And so I watched um, the rest of the 1997 major pay-per-views um, and some lesser ones. I watched uh, SummerSlam 97. Um, which I gave a B minus in your house, bad blood 97, which is Kane's debut. I gave that one a B. Um, and, and the thing is with most of these pay-per-views at this point, there's like a decent, maybe potentially decent match to open the card. And then the mid card is just kind of like, who gives a shit? It's always like disciples of apocalypse versus whoever Savio Vegos stable is like, it's always them or like headbangers. And there's just not a lot of tag teams. And so it's just like the same thing over and over again, in the, kind of in the mid card. Um, and then the main event is usually really good. Um, and that's exactly what was with, um, in bad, bad blood 97, but Kane's debut is just so iconic. Like that's such a great moment. That's, that's gotta be Kane with, uh, Vince on the, on the, on the microphone. It's just, it's awesome. Um, and then survivor series 97, which of course is the Montreal screw job. And I was actually really disappointed with that because when you look back at the Montreal, you always see the aftermath of like Brett destroying it. Um, so you watch him spitting in Vince's face, you know, doing WCW in the air and all that. Well, the pay-per-view actually goes off the air. Uh, Shawn Michaels locks him up. They ring the bell and they're, you know, Shawn Michaels is like, hey, what's going on? Just like Brett acting like he doesn't know what's happening. And he gets the belt and runs to the, you know, goes to the back. And all you see is Vince like wiping his face. Because he got spit on and then it ends. And so like you don't get to see any of that. And so I didn't realize that that the pay-per-view actually just went off the air at that point. So most everything I know from the screw job is actually just, you know, kind of quote unquote behind the scenes shit. So um, that was a little disappointing, but it was cool to watch that whole thing. And that match is excellent anyway. So that was fun. I give that one a B as well. And then after that was um, this is still what they were doing in your houses. And so this one was called Degeneration X, which this one really shocked me because it had a main event of Shawn Michaels, who was the WWF champion at that point, versus Ken Shamrock for the title. I was I was really shocked. I don't remember Shamrock having a main event push like this, but clearly he does. Um, and he Shamrock actually wins the match, but it's by DQ, and so he doesn't get the belt. But like I don't know, it was fascinating. It was actually a really good match too. Um, I like Shamrock, but I just. When I, st- when I started watching wrestling again um, at this point, because this was like middle school, maybe even elementary school, 97, yeah, it would have been elementary school, um, was like right after this, like literally like probably months after this. And so I didn't catch all this. And so by the time I was with Shamrock, he was just kind of like a mid-carder, um, which is how I know him best. So this was interesting. But so that, that was all the pay-per-views. That was December's pay-per-view from 97. And so that I was like, you know what? Let me go see what WCW was doing at the same time. And so I picked... I picked the events I'm going to watch from 97 from there. And my first one from that was WCW Super Brawl 7, which was only notable because it has Giant, who, you know, big show, Paul White, and Lex Luger. They beat Hall and Nash for the WCW tag team titles. Hogan uh, and Piper fight. 
in the main event and Piper was supposedly locked inside Alcatraz for seven days and seven nights before that match. It's the goofiest fucking thing ever. The opening like promo is him leaving Alcatraz acting like, like a, a raving lunatic, the stupidest fucking corny thing ever. But anyway, there's that match and it's garbage. Um, and at the end it's, uh, notable because, um, Hogan retains obviously, but macho man, that's when macho man turns to the NWO, man, this was a shitty card. The only decent match, I actually liked Giant versus Hall and Nash because it started off as a handicap match. Um, but then, because Lexi were supposedly hurt and they wasn't allowed to wrestle, blah, 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 whatever. He came in like halfway through the match. That was actually a pretty fun one. But otherwise, it was just forgettable. Like even they had the US title match with Chris Jericho versus Eddie Guerrero. And there were chants of boring from the crowd at points because it was just not a good match. Like it was so strange uh, that those two didn't put on an excellent match. On paper, I was really excited for it, but it just didn't deliver at all. So I ended up giving that one a D. So um, not a good start to 1997 in WCW. And I'm actually disappointed because I didn't realize that 97 at, at that point, the NWO was already starting to get watered down. Like they already had you know, uh, Vincent, as they call them, or Virgil, like Ted DiBiase, uh, Marcus or Buff Bagwell, like they were already a part of the NWO. And so at that point, it's kind of when it started losing its luster. And so I'm not looking forward to the rest of 97 because I feel like it's just downhill from here. I feel like midway through 96 when NWO was introduced till probably around this time in 97 is when it was really good. And then it just started kind of shit in the bed. So that's, that's where I'm at in my wrestling viewing. Um, otherwise, uh, in terms of video games, I, so back when we used to have the NCAA football series, that was still one of my favorite, favorite game series, but there was a time that you could create a football player in NCAA football, start their career there, and then like import them into Madden to continue their career in the pros. So I have it in my head that I want to create this speedy quarterback, start him in NCAA football. And try to build him all the way through an entire career in Madden, eventually trying to make it to the Hall of Fame. So I I did some research and it turns out that the last Madden that allows you to import your Road to Glory Superstar was actually Madden 12. So, of course, I already own all the Madden. So I already own Madden 12 on Xbox 360. So I decided to go out and get NCAA Football 12 for the 360 as well so I could start on that. Um, And so I did that this week and uh, it's already a ton of fun. Um, What's crazy, though, is that you actually start your career in NCAA football 12 by playing through your entire senior season of high school football. And so while you're there, you're, you're, you're how well you play determines who's going to offer you scholarships and whatnot. So, um, I just started playing like my first, my first high school football game. Um, but I've already earned a scholarship to Western Michigan after one game. Um, at the beginning you pick like three schools you're interested in. So I picked Michigan, West Virginia, and Western Michigan. And so WMU already offered me a scholarship and then Notre Dame showed interest in me, um, and Michigan state. So I added Michigan state to my board. Um, so it's looking good, but best case, I end up getting a scholarship offer to Michigan, which if I have another game, like I did the first game, I should probably have that in probably week two or three, hopefully. Um, so we'll see where that goes, but I'm excited to keep playing through this. Like I, I love this series. Um, and NCAA football 12 is, you know, it's really good. Um, NCAA football 14 was my favorite, but 12 doesn't feel that much different. Like it's, it's a really solid football game. So I love that series. Um, but yeah, so I'm hoping to, when I get through college, I'm hoping that it actually import correctly into Madden 12 so I can continue my career. So, and of course, just because I am, 
a huge fucking dork that loves doing shit like this. I do have an Excel file with all my stats and my progress just because I suck at life. So that's what I do. But And then... Wait, wait, wait. Last... So, well, I guess that makes sense. You using Excel considering that. Yeah, yeah. They, they can do it all for me. <laughs> Unfortunately, not a whole lot of math. It's just where I like to keep everything. I like it better than words. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, and then on the spending front, last but not least here... Uh, more old sports games. I ended up going uh, to the last disc replay in the area, or actually what I thought was the last one, but I did find out there is actually another one that's out kind of sort of near my parents' house, so I'm going to have to try that one out at some point. But anyway, I hit up another one this past weekend and found some more games that I needed for my sports collection. Um, the only big one of note for myself that I found, um, simply because I can't, I wasn't able to find it anywhere else was ESPN MLS Extra Time 2002 for the original Xbox. So this is a weird series because it only lasted three games and all the games came out on different systems. The first one was a PlayStation exclusive. Second one was PlayStation 2 exclusive. And then the third one came out only on GameCube and Xbox. So it's just an odd series. And I was just excited when I actually found it because I hadn't seen it anywhere else. So um, I grabbed that one and then some other ones. I also grabbed Backbreaker for PS3, NCAA Football 13, um, the aforementioned NCAA Football 12 for 360, NCAA Football 08 for PS3, Pro Evolution Soccer 2010 for PS3, NFL 2K3 and 2K2 for X, the original Xbox, Forza Motorsport for Xbox, NHL 2K10 for PS2, even though I already own that one on 360, I read that it has a deeper off-season mode on the PS2 version than the 360 version, so it was like two bucks, so I figured, yeah, why not try it out, see if it's actually true or not. Um, and I, there's a guy in operation sports who has updated rosters for the 2018 NHL season for the PS2 version of NHL 2K10. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I'm going to give that a shot. And then the last one was rugby 08 for PS2. So yeah, other than that, I just spent some money on my Camaro getting it all a new air filter and oil change and all that boring shit. Um, I actually have to start car shopping soon, which is just, I fucking hate doing just because my lease is up in four months and given my upcoming situation, it just isn't practical for me to get another Camaro right now. So, and actually speaking of that, I don't think I ever made any sort of announcement uh, about what I mean when I talk about my upcoming situation on the podcast. So of course, if you follow me on Twitter or Facebook or whatever, you you definitely know uh, by now, but if for some reason you don't, uh, my wife and I, we are expecting our first child in September. Um, And so, and we know that we're having a baby girl. So we are super excited for that, but as much as it is possible to put a baby seat in the back of my Camaro, it just isn't practical. So I'm looking for something a little more baby friendly for my next lease. And I also drive a shit ton more. So if I get something with a little bit get better gas mileage, that would that would be also be beneficial. But something like a nice Plymouth Voyager. Plymouth Voyager. Oh Plymouth. If only they made those anymore. They don't make those anymore? <laughs> oh man. A, a nice quality minivan. Yeah, I used to have a minivan. I'm not driving another minivan. No way. I'll, I'll, it'll be a, it'll be a 2018 whatever it is. Um, but because I'm I'm gonna lease again, I'm sure. But. Well, if you, if you want something that's really good on gas, the uh, the minis are really really good on gas. Yeah, um, they're expensive though. Well, Melissa had one, and she could do 800 kilometers on a single tank of gas. That's like from Ottawa to Toronto and back to Ottawa, one tank of gas. Wow. Yeah, it blew me away. It's like a quarter of what my car does on a full. Yeah, Yeah, it's ridiculous. Wow, but they they are an that is an expensive car. It's a pretty vehicle. 
Um, yeah. but, uh, the dealerships, like she was leasing as well and yeah. the dealership treats you real nice. So, oh, uh, that's good. yeah. But if you're looking for mileage, wow, that's, yeah. it's pretty decent. And there's room in the backseat for a, uh, for a, uh, baby seat. Right. Yeah. And if you have two kids, you could just put them on the floorboards. Right. <laughs> because they're tiny, so they won't be rattling exactly. too, too much around yeah. depending how fast you do the corners. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure they'd be fine. I'm only having one, but if we ever had a second one, I'll keep that in mind. So. Also, just one one lady. You, you don't exactly. have like any any seed in anybody else. Uh, you know, not not to my knowledge, but things happen while you sleep here in the states. I don't know if that. Oh, sure. Canada. Well, that, that's yeah. why you have to lock your doors. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. That's why we we started doing that. But yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's my upcoming life here and and my past week. So how about you, Mark? Well, I watched movies since... Oh, what a novel idea. This is a movie podcast. I watched a few movies. Um, I didn't watch too many movies, though, uh, just because I worked uh, five days in a row. And uh, then it was my birthday on uh, Monday. So uh, that would be on the 2nd of April. Thank you. Uh, so on the 2nd of April and the 3rd of April, uh, the Winnipeg Jets were in my area. So I went to see the Ottawa Senators play the Jets. And they lost. The Jets won. And then the next day, me and Melissa, we drove to Montreal. We hit a, a an outlet mall. I picked up some uh, gym clothes. For some reason, that's all that I buy when I go to outlet malls or gym clothes and new sneakers. So I got a, <laughs> I got some new shit so I can look really fly when I'm bench pressing. Hell and yeah. uh, had a few, uh, went to a few restaurants, had a few, uh, few beers, and uh, saw the Habs play the Jets, which was awesome as well. It was her first time to go to the Bell Center and the oh, Jets. Very cool. Yeah, Jets went again. So, uh, so yeah, so we drove to Montreal, spent all day there, watched the hockey game, then drove back that night. I was falling asleep at the at the wheel, and yeah, uh, you were close to me. Damn. Oh, dude, I was so exhausted. And uh, it was sleeting because we got uh, some more winter oh, weather in our area too. So, yeah. yeah, that was a shitty drive home. Mm. Pardon me. But, uh, yeah, so fun but exhausting. So most of my movie watching that's not uh, for uh, a subject of the podcast was actually done at work because we're still training the guy. And uh, working nights, there was absolutely nothing to do. So I was able to watch uh, one flick per shift. Uh, so I watched uh, all on Netflix, obviously. Um, I watched 2016. It's a documentary called Hired Gun. And it's about uh, musicians that play on albums. I guess they're called session musicians. And musicians that go on tour. So like when you go see Pink, Pink's got a band. So it's like people playing in her band. So it's like Guns for Hire. Um, <laughs> it, it was really good. It was really, really good. Um, I couldn't name you people that were in. Um, but, uh, you know, like the bassist from Metallica, the one that, uh, well, I grew up with in the late, uh, late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, he was on there. I'm bad with names. I don't have all, I don't have them all in front of me here right now. Actually, I do. <laughs> uh, no, no, but they're not all. Anyways, whatever. Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's a, a hired gun, uh, documentary on guys who just play who aren't officially in bands, but play in bands, you know, at per gig. It's, it was really fascinating. So I really enjoyed that one. Um, I also watched the following night, Hashtag Horror from 2015. Hmm. Uh, written and directed by a, a lady by the name of Tara Subkoff. It's about four 12-year-old girls. They're having a, a I wouldn't say a birthday party, but just like a, a get-together at somebody's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
they're really mean to each other. And um, yeah, twelve year old I, girls, I feel like. Yeah. yeah, but they're like really vicious, and they're like social media vicious. So they'll post pictures, put really nasty hashtags on them. One girl gets upset, and the big, I guess, the big stars of the film are. Uh, let me go back here. Uh, we've got uh, Timothy Hutton who plays Doctor White. So Doctor White's daughter, I forget what her name is. She goes missing because they kind of boot her out of the house because she was being really vicious. Mm-hmm. And he comes in the house, just fury, fire, brimstone, like so upset, like overreacting. The way he was acting on these t- towards the twelve year old girls, it was so over the top. It was comical. Hmm. But if I was one of those girls, I'd be peeing my panties. Yeah, um, it was bad. It was bad overreacting. Um, Natasha Leone is is in the film. Uh, Taryn Manning's in the film. Um, oh, what's her name? Uh, from um, shit, uh, the girl from she was in Kids. Oh, uh, she was in Oh Close Chevigny. Uh, Chevigny. She is as well. Um, it's a horrible movie. Um, I gave it a quarter star on Letterbox because I had to give it something. I wanted to record something. Um, all the characters are unlikable. Sounds like a show I'm watching. Um, it's ju- it's just not a fun. It is not a fun film to watch at all. I thought it was a horror movie. It's horror, but it's more like teen cyberbullying. It's oh. it's really not good. Like I then I look at IMDb. It got three net three point one out of ten. Um, I checked Letterbox. A lot of people gave it like half a star. It's a mm. shit flick. I don't recommend this at all. So fuck you. Hashtag horror from 2015. Uh, last film uh, that I watched, uh, which I actually finished uh, this morning because my uh, my tablet actually died on me and I couldn't uh, charge it where I was sitting. Anyways, long story short, I started a <laughs> film. I had to finish it a few days later. Uh, from 2016, from Oliver Stone, I watched Snowden uh, with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, uh, Shailene Woodley, Melissa Leo, um, We've got uh, Robert Firth is in it, um, Rye Iffins, which I like a lot. So Nicholas, oh, Nicholas Cage is in it. Um, so pretty much, it's <laughs> it's the story. It's a dramatization of Edward Snowden from how he started to where he ended up. Um, I thought it was really good. I thought Gordon Levitt was again. He's he's an actor that you know. You, you still I still think of him as Third Rock Kid. Third Rock, yeah. But he's not. He's so much he's, more than that. You know. He is. He's excellent. Yeah. I love um, him. Yeah, he was really good in this one. Um, some people like it. Some people don't. Depends on what side of the coin that you put yourself in regarding the story. You know, is he a traitor? Is he a whistleblower? A blower? Um, you know. I personally would think what he did was a good thing. Um, I think the Obama, uh, Obama administration, after saying that, you know, we're going to support the whistleblowers and then kind of turns his back on him, um, was, was horrible. You know, people love Obama for all he's done, but they kind of gloss over the negative things. And this is a pretty bad thing. Um, but the film itself was really well done. I liked it. I'm not the hugest Oliver Stone fan, but I really dug this one. Oh, so, I did not realize that was an Oliver Stone film. Yeah, yeah. Oliver is Stone it really did it. long? Yeah, it's two hours and change. Yeah, two, oh, yeah, two hours and 14 so minutes long. So it's not that bad. And honestly, it goes by pretty fast. Uh, unless your tablet dies and it takes a few days for you to finish it. I wonder uh, how true to life it is being Oliver Stone, though. Well, that's the thing. So, you know, when it comes to dramatization, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. 
mm-hmm. uh, because obviously the director picks a side and will highlight that side, right? Um, right. It's not a documentary, uh, but a Citizen Four is on Netflix as well. Yeah, and I believe that's a BBC doc on Snowden. So I would like to see that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so movie wise, that's it. Um, I'm still watching season eight of uh, Supernatural with Melissa. We're probably watching like two, three episodes a week if we're lucky, uh, because we don't spend that much time together because of our different uh, work schedules. But uh, after hit. I know, right? I know. Um, so uh, I thought season eight started off really poorly. And now that we're over the halfway point, it actually got a lot better. I just find these seasons after season five, it just takes about a dozen episodes for it to actually be any good. Uh, except for <laughs> season seven. Season seven sucked. I mean, I, um, I couldn't do it. I would just tap out so easily. Like, dude, the show got renewed again by CW. It's on its fourteenth still... season. Oh my god! I thought it was done for some reason. No, wow. I just bought season twelve on Blu-ray. I gotta buy in two more now. But season four <laughs> just got announced. <laughs> oh, it cracks me up. Uh, you know, I would have loved this ten years ago. Yeah, uh, but I just find you know now pushing almost forty years old. I don't find it as funny anymore. I don't like it as much. Um, but what birthday I'm gonna, was this? This is 39. Wow, you are getting old. I Look know. at you. You were talking about elementary school in 97. I'm like, yeah, I graduated high school in 97. <laughs> so whatever. Oh, I was 11. Uh, babies having babies. That's what you are. Exactly. Babies having babies. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> and because. Th- oh, man. I'll be 32 when I have my first child. That's that's a, an anomaly. Uh, oh, yeah. No, No, good for you, though. Good for you. So yeah. then, you know, when your kid's 20, you're only 52. That's awesome. Yeah. Exactly. You don't be one of those grandpa dads, you know? Right. Um, so, and uh, because of my whole allergy thing, I got up super early this morning. Couldn't go back to bed. So I watched a few episodes of uh, Peaky Blinders season two. So I'm on the last episode now and fuck, it's good. So I do recommend Peaky Blinders on Netflix as well. Apart from that, that's pretty much it. Didn't have time to play any vids. So uh, that is my recap for my week in media. Oh, I, I, I did get my Samsung uh, Galaxy S9 Plus. Oh, yeah. After those initial yeah. pickups, did you, are you liking it? Uh, I am liking it a lot. Um, it's yeah. a beautiful phone. It's very fast. I love that I can uh, put pornography on my TV by just flicking my wrist. Yeah. Oh, there you go. And then, yeah. yeah. And then if I want some, uh, <laughs> oh, what, what do they call it on in the Matrix that they're eating? Puffy wheat? Oh, I don't uh, Anyways, I can do the same thing. I get some amino acids in my hand. So this phone is awesome. I don't have to use an uh, an, uh, an Apple TV to do that. Um, but and seriously, folks, um, yeah, I think it's a great phone. Um, again, I got it for super cheap. Like the phone retails for like twelve hundred bucks. I got it for one twenty nine uh, because of <laughs> my plan. So cheap. Oh. It's what they offered me. Um, I have a Manitoba telephone number, so it's known as a small market. So to garner. Uh, you know, uh, subscribers in a small market, they give you crazy fucking deals. God, um, Canada is so different. That's yeah. crazy. So I did have to go from like a 15 gig, $90 a month plan to a 10 gig, $90 a month plan, which really sucked. But I'm not using 15 gigs anyways. I'm using at the most like eight. So I'm still good. So uh, yeah, so that that's yeah, all for use, me. <laughs> we use eight gigs as a family plan between four of us and we still don't go over our data. Yeah, but your child doesn't use that much data so far. My, my, you said my child? Yes, I said your child. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Am I wrong? Is she using no. a lot of data? No, I'd be surprised. No, exactly. But uh, we're out in the family, but my sister and my, my mom and my uh, wife, but 
We're See, good. Well, the, the reason why I use so much, though, is because I'm not home half the time. I'm at work, mm-hmm. right? And, like, on a night shift, you're bored as fuck for 12 hours. So, when yeah, I'm not exactly. on the tablet, you know, I'm checking Facebook, videos pop up, blah, blah, blah. So, that's that's why I use so much data. It's because mm-hmm. I'm at work half the time and there's no Wi-Fi there. Man, if there was Wi-Fi, oh, and they're, they're talking about it, that they might be getting Wi-Fi at work, mm-hmm. which would... Oh, it'd be so awesome if they did. I'd, I'd probably start watching more wrestling again because I can stream it at work. But anyways. Right. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, but that's all for me. That's all for me this week. Excellent. All right. Well, let's, yeah. without further ado here, let's move over to our review for the week. We are talking, of course, about 2003's The Matrix Reloaded. So there will be spoilers for The Matrix, The Animatrix, and The Matrix Reloaded. So just keep that in mind moving forward. There will be spoilers for these films that we've talked about so far. All right, The Matrix Reloaded had an original U.S. theatrical release date of May 15th, 2003. Written and directed by the uh, Wachowskis. It has an IMDb score of 7.2 out of the 456,205 votes. Which is, there's like that's like 50 more votes than when I put that in last night. That's surprising to me. But anyway... Mm. Uh, what else? What else? It has a Metacritic score of 62, a tomato meter score of 73%, and an audience score on Rotten Tomatoes of 72%. It currently has a 3.09 out of 5 stars on Letterboxd based on 32,193 ratings. It had a $150 million budget and a $742 million cumulative worldwide gross. Clocks in at $138 Mark, what is your history with The Matrix Reloaded? Um, I remember watching in theaters, and that's about it. Um, you know, I've got this Matrix box set, which is crazy with the amount of special features they have. Oh, yeah. um, but I don't remember ever watching this ever since I saw it in the theaters. So this felt like a like a first time again because that had been so long. I did recall a few things. But uh, most of it was like almost a, uh, a rediscovery of the of the film. Excellent. And what about you, Ash? What's your history with The Matrix Reloaded? Um, saw it like because oh, I'd gotten into the video. Mm-hmm. So the first one. Yeah, I was out there opening weekend for this one and got it as soon as. Excellent. I've seen yeah. it a few times. Okay, very good. Yeah, I saw I'm, I'm with kind of with you, Mark. I saw it in theaters. I know I don't know exactly when in theaters, but I fairly certain I saw it in theaters. And this was the time. I was in high school at this point and I was going to the movies a lot at this point. And so I know for sure this is one of those I saw in theaters. Um, But the only thing I remembered from this movie was the clone fight that we'll talk about in a little bit. Uh, Nothing else stuck with me from this one at all. Even watching it again. So it felt like watching it uh, for the first time, frankly, aside from that one fight. I remember two things from this film. Mm -hmm. Uh, One was the uh, highway chase scene. Mm. And two, it was uh, uh, what's his name, Meridian, uh, Meridian, the French guy, the Mer- Meridian, oh. and just him talking about how the French language is like wiping your ass with silk. I love uh, that line. I that's that's those are the two things I remembered from Matrix Reloaded from like two thousand. Do you think he was right? Is it is it like Fuck wiping it. your ass, dude? Every single time. Good. Every good, single good. time. That's exciting. That's very exciting. I'm gonna have to learn French. Yeah, you know what? I love that feeling. And you won't bleed anymore. That? Ah. It's with silk. Why? You don't bleed with silk. That makes sense. Yeah. 
Excellent. So, uh, yeah, jumping right in here. I loved the op- just like the opening moment is okay. Just the idea that this motorcycle goes through this entire building and it just makes the whole thing fucking explode. It's just so ridiculous. But it was just like, hello, we're back in the ma- like we're starting off strong here. And so, even though it looks dumb, I'm sorry, it doesn't look dumb. Even though the idea is dumb. <laughs> I I was thinking when I first watched, it, I was like, oh, maybe I'm just maybe it was rigged up to be like a bomb. But then obviously we find out later because we see it happen in real time. But no, it wasn't. It's just a motorcycle. <laughs> but it somehow crashes through this building and just explodes the whole fucking thing in this giant explosion. Whatever. Whatever. It looked cool. And it was a, a interesting way to start the film. Kind of gets you jump started. I That's, like that. They they were using anime rules. Everything explodes. Yeah, it's exactly, fine. <laughs> exactly and- right. I don't know about you, but with my DVD uh, release that I have here, I found the special effects kind of really fake looking, um, especially in that first scene. I could feel the, the, the blue screen and green screen behind her her bike and her flipping. It just it looked like it was a separation. It didn't look uh, seamless to me. Yeah, I, I, I have to agree with you on that. It Both this movie and the next one. It's a problem with both. They're, I get that what they're trying to do, and they were really pushing, you know, the tech the, at the time. The seat, yeah, the tech at the time do its limit. Um, yeah, but it, it's not, it doesn't hold up nearly as good. Not even remote. Yeah, yeah which I, I just find interesting, you know, because it is a newer film. But really, like the tech they were using, like because I watched a fuck ton of special features for this film, um, and I got bored after a while because only so much I can take. But like they. Especially the uh, the the scene with the two semis uh, crashing to each other, the head on. Yeah, they started rendering that and like you know working on that scene over seven hundred days before the film got released. So they're working on that back in like two thousand. Wow. So, so really, like the tech got better by two thousand three, but they're still dealing with like early like two thousand tech to make this work, and like it looks awesome. But it's just it doesn't it doesn't feel seamless, and that just takes me out a bit. And I know that's really nitpicking, but like right off the bat, like on my big screen, I'm like, ah, that just doesn't look right. I honestly didn't feel that in this opening scene at all, but I definitely do feel that as we go on. Yeah. And oh, don't get mad. I was just my opinion. He's mm-hmm. throwing shit, hitting shit. No, I'm just <laughs> no. Kidding. I, I, I'm, I I'm agreeing with you. With you. I'm, I'm agreeing um, with you. <laughs> I'm just joking. Um, the uh, um. Like you're talking about with like that semi scene, which we'll we'll get to, but like mm-hmm. I nah, we'll we'll talk about that I guess when we get there. I don't I'll, I won't yeah. I won't jump to my opinion on that yet. But um yeah, I, I definitely feel that overall I'm with you guys hundred percent. For some reason, the CGI just does not the special effects do not hold up nearly as well as the first one. Um and I didn't really start noticing that until a little bit later, I guess. So this opening scene didn't bug me. Okay. But I it definitely it definitely did as it went on. So Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is already I think 60 seconds into this there was already officially more bullet time in this film than the entirety of the first film <laughs> they were just going nuts with the slow motion bullet time which I thought again I well, thought that looks pretty good but I was like wow there's so much well and that part of that was because everyone after the first Matrix film came out started doing exactly. bullet time Yeah. so they're like well you know we have to do more of it now. That, that I think that was the idea, but and, and, it was a little 
much. And that's a problem with sequels is that now, you know, your first film was such a, a grand sci-fi action epic. How, yeah. how do you beat it? How do you make it even more grandiose next time? Mm-hmm. And I think that's one of the flaws of, uh, of this film and maybe the next one is that it goes so over the top, so incredible that it just, it, it reverts from being really cool to not being cool anymore. Mm-hmm. I was really excited. I did not remember that Harold Perrineau was in this, who was Michael from Lost. That's how I know him. He's in or other he, things, obviously. But and he, oh, and he was in Oz, which I fucking loved. Okay. Oh, I didn't know he was in that, too. But Yeah, yeah he's a narrator. Oz, oh, oh, okay. Awesome. Awesome show. But yeah, I know. You always you always mention that one. Eventually, I'll have to, I'll have to watch that one. I just... It's all, it's all that prison nudity. <laughs> My favorite kind. So much full frontal. Oh, man. Oh, good. I love I love looking at... With a smack of sodomy. Yeah. Oh, wow. You're yeah. Really selling it for me. Good. Yeah, you know, it's fun. <laughs> but uh, Link is his name in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just think he's an excellent actor, and I thought he was really good in this. I was really excited to see him. Um, just... That aesthetic when we meet up with the rest of the group that's like Niobe is talking with them, just like her glasses, the look of that whole scene, like they're almost like, uh, they almost look like Italian mobsters at point, yeah. like some of them there, like that mm-hmm. aesthetic is just so legendary by now. I, I really like that. I like that scene. Just it's so stuck in this time. Yeah. Uh, because... Uh, and I think it's kind of funny that they're all dressed to the nines mm-hmm. and they all have these, these funky, weird, like, you know how it, it's funny how, like how drab they are in real life yeah. and how cool they think they should look for the <laughs> matrix, Exactly. <laughs> you know, with the color and the vintage, because it's outfits and, and it's things you're not able to wear in real life. Because if you, if we go to Zion, everybody's wearing potato sacks, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, everything, everything's beige, everything's like color of clay. And in the Matrix, well, you know, it's 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 like the kids in Nine One Love Part Three. They can be whoever they want to be, mm-hmm. yep. <laughs> you know. So, so, so I think it's funny how we did have like the Italian mob ship, and then we've got you know the pleather of of, uh, of Nebuchadnezzar, yeah, and then you've got Nairobi's. She's got some like. Asian influenced, you know, mm-hmm. Italian yep. garb going on. I, I think it's kind of funny. But before we go too far into the film, um, one of these. So in the box that I have, I, I have to get the proper name. I think it's like the the Matrix, the com- Ultimate Edition or whatever it is. It's where the box is like the Matrix writing, and you move it around and it moves. Um, so on this disc, there was a bonus disc called the Matrix Reloaded Revisited where it talked about all uh, kinds of special features on the film, but also had all the cutscenes from the Enter the Matrix video game. Oh, oh nice. Man. I love yeah. that. Yeah. So I actually wrote notes on all of them, which I think I, I overdid it. But it's funny because um, it, some, of the, uh, some of the scenes uh, repeat themselves because you can play either as uh, Nairobi or as Ghost. So... Uh, You'll have two versions of the scene with different characters, which is kind of cool. But at the beginning, you'll see uh, Ghost Nairobi pick up the package and then deliver it, uh, I guess, to the council or whatever. They discover what's on the tape and it explains how the guy or the uh, the machines are drilling down in the earth, which it did explain in the movie. But I found that the cutscenes of the video game um, gave it more or flushed it out a lot more. 
And okay. what's cool is that the Into the Matrix video game, pardon me, parallels uh, Reloaded. So as we follow uh, Neo and Trinity in in the film, we're following Ghost and Nairobi in the video game. Oh, so, okay. Yeah, so uh, it starts off more as a prequel to the film. Mm-hmm. Where it kind of branches from um, the Animatrix and then jumps into the film's narration, and we're just following their characters as in the film we're following Trinity and Neil, which I thought was kind of cool. And I like the idea that they tried to do back in two thousand three. I don't don't think the tech was there at the time, but to have the, you know the films and the video games and the uh, the, the cartoon and making this a huge multimedia storyline which I thought is kind of cool, but I think it was just a bit out of their grasp in, to, in the early 2000s. I think doing it now, especially with mobile gaming, it would be a lot easier. Yeah, I was. I, it's been so long since I played the original, but I remember when the game came out, End of the Matrix came out, um, and it had all this hype before it came out, and then it came out, and it just was like, so you know, a, a letdown for a lot of people. Yeah, I always thought it's. I always considered it a very underrated game. I always enjoyed it. Um, I never beat it. I don't believe, but I did play a, a bit of it. But like I said, it's been so long since I played. I just don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's one that I actually bought relatively recently again. I think I have it behind me on my, uh, yeah, on my PS2. Um, and uh, I definitely want to play through it again. Now that I've seen this movie now again, like I, yeah. I really want to try the game again because I've always thought it was underrated. And I really loved like, again, they have the bullet time effect in that and everything slow motion, kind of like, you know, what Max Payne made popular in video gaming. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I definitely want to try it again. But well, the only reason why I don't want to revisit this game is that I remember it being very buggy back then. So oh, okay. I, I, I honestly think it'd be unplayable now, you know, because what I'm used to today's, tech compared to like you know a decade ago a decade and a half um so that's really the only reason why i don't want to is because i don't think i can just deal with just the shittiness of of the how the game was and like what the graphics are because they showed some screenshots of the game uh on the disc i'm like whoa that looks pretty bad (laughs) you know like think the matrix but with like you know golden eye graphics that's pretty much what you're getting yeah i like that i my uh that's what I've been, my sports game. I'm playing a lot from that era. So I'm just like, I'm back into that graphic style, I guess. So it's, that part doesn't bug me, but yeah, I definitely see what you're saying. If there's a bunch of glitches, it's going to piss me off, but mm-hmm. yeah, I got to give it a shot here. Yeah. So very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I, I love that shot. I thought it was really great shadow play when uh, the agent is approaching the door uh, to the, like this hangout where they all are having this conversation. Mm-hmm. The, the lights of the car casting a shadow as like this larger than life figure over the door. Uh, I thought that was just a really, really good shot. I really liked that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll be honest. I was shocked to see Agent Smith back because I thought he was dead after the first film. Just shows oh. how much I forgot about the movie. Yeah, yeah. I did not expect him to return. I actually thought the the shadow we were seeing, I thought that was Agent Smith. Oh, it was. It is, yes. Yeah, but, it was. Okay, yeah, it is. Because then the other agents show up. Yes. He comes back. Yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so <laughs> there are some moments that I think are just so over the top. They're ridiculous, but they still worked for me. And the first okay. time I mentioned that was the sound cue when Neo opens the package that has the earpiece. It was so over the top. I can't remember what the sound cue was now, um, but 
it was just this weird sound cue. It was like just like so dramatic, and I was like, "Oh, that's so ridiculous!" But still, it it I loved it. Like it was just stupid, but I liked it. Yeah, I can't recall what that cue was. Uh, yeah. I was surprised that it was an earpiece. I'm like, "Oh my god, Agent Smith is back!" Yeah, but I guess it's just Mister Smith now. Uh, right. But yeah, yeah I, I don't true. recall. I don't recall the sound cue. Yeah, I don't. It was just the music going either. weird, but. Um, and then I loved seconds later, they have that throwback to the, to the matrix, um, with the empty alleyway and then like the paper blowing through it, kind of like the end of the matrix, which signaled agent Smith's arrival. And that of course announces that agent Smith, uh, Smith is coming, uh, in this film as well, because then Neo starts flying around. Uh, I just thought that was really smartly done. I liked that a lot. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't even catch it the first time. Actually, that that's kind of. Uh, yeah, definitely. Just, I mean, I know because we mentioned it when we talked about the Matrix, and so I feel like it's probably why I, I noticed it this time around, just because we'd already talked about it. Well, w- what got me excited when I saw the agents for mm-hmm. the uh, first time is that they added uh, Daniel Bernhardt as Agent Johnson. Mm-hmm. Um, you might remind remember him from I think John Wick Part Two. And uh, what else was he in? He's this Swiss guy. He was in oh, he was in Civil War. He did some stunts there. Uh, he's in the oh, original John Rick as Kirill. Oh, and he was in Atomic Blonde. He was a soldier in Atomic Blonde that had a really good fight. Um, okay. If you saw his face, you'd be like, oh, I remember him now. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he was he's such a great martial artist. And I completely forgot he was in Reloaded and he had such a decent role. Mm-hmm. Um as in as agent johnson in this film so i i kind of like popped for them like oh sweet he's in this film um it's just you know they highlight so many uh stuntmen in this in this movie as actors because of the physicalness of the roles right and it was just cool to see this guy uh get a get a part in uh this film i'm assuming he's in the next one as well um i guess i'll have to find out when i watch it but uh yeah i thought it was really cool when he uh, when he popped up on stage or on scene Oh, okay. I know him. Yeah, uh, uh, he played Bonebreaker in Logan, and I'm seeing a picture of him. I remember. That. Okay. Yeah, yeah. For some reason, I had him mistaken for uh, the guy who's in Undisputed. Uh, for some reason, I thought it was the same actor, uh, Scott Atkins. I thought mm. I thought that was Scott Atkins, but no, two different guys. <laughs> so my bad. Yeah. Um, it felt like, and I this is the first moment where the CGI just takes me out of it. It felt like I was watching a cartoon when Neo was shown flying above the city. Um, it's just, the, it reminds me of the one of the Harry Potters. I forget which one it is. But I think it was the first one they play Quidditch. And okay. the end of the movie just takes me out of it so much because it looks like we go from this live action movie to a cartoon. And it's just like, man, that is so jarring. I, I hate that when that happens. And that's well, why I felt when I saw Neo flying around the city. To me, he looks like Superman. The way he takes oh, off. Yeah. And I'll Absolutely. be honest. I don't like it at all. Him flying, I think it's ridiculous. I it's one thing I just don't like. Yeah, I I'm not a big fan of it either. Uh, and then I, you know, as I said, you know, he's supermaning around uh, when we get to that the uh, the uh, semi truck scene. Yeah, uh, that's why I mentioned that point. It's just yeah, I'm not I'm not a big fan of that. But it is what it See, is. I didn't necessarily I didn't necessarily mind him flying so much. It's mm-hmm. um. It's some of the fight sequences, uh, I think they, they, it, those start to really stand out to me. The flying in this one wasn't too, yeah, but, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, it, it didn't take it out this much, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, I can see where you would, would get right, that right. 
Oh, and then I, I marked out because they get to uh, Zion, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah. the the kid comes running up and they're talking about him. And, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, is that that's the kid that Neo saved from the Animatrix show where he's falling off the building, right? Yeah. It, it is. That's Which, awesome. It's thanks to you guys that I, it made me click last week because I didn't realize he'd be in this movie. And they really make no mention of it. Or they do, but like if you wouldn't have seen the film, then yeah. you wouldn't have gotten it, which it's it would have been nice if they would have like, you know, maybe talked a little more about it for those that mm-hmm. haven't absorbed all Matrix media back then, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it was. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like a really uh, almost. You don't understand why he's obsessing so much over these guys mm-hmm. and why he wants to be so involved. And I yeah. think that it, not having that in the film. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Definitely. Uh, but I, I t- totally marked out when I saw him. Cause I was like, oh, shit, that's what it is. So it was like my first, I think that's really my only Animatrix connection that I made. But um, if there's others, please point them out as we go through here. But um, And then, man, it right from kind of this opening 45 minutes here, it was very obvious that the religious themes were are, just, are, are much more prominent this time out. Um, the not everyone believes what you believe was a pretty common element here at the start. Um, and I was honestly, and then like uh, a couple seconds later when um, Neo gets out of the elevator and like all these people start walking up to him, it felt like I was watching Passion of the Christ. <laughs> like, yeah, I was like, oh boy, like this is getting kind of thick here. But then it kind of just, it goes back. Like it, it kind of disappears from the forefront. It's not as obvious at least. Which I like it not being as obvious a lot better than what it otherwise could be. Yeah, so. it, it was pretty in your face at first, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, speaking of in your fee- face is how, and it, again, based or related to the same theme. It's just, I wrote, goddamn Morpheus is a confident motherfucker. He goes, I, you know, I do not consider it to be a matter of hope, counselor, but a matter of time. Like <laughs> some of his lines are just like, wow, you... It's almost to the point of arrogance. Yes. Uh, but it's like, wow. He's just so But he was like certain. that in the first movie, though, too. I mean, mm-hmm. look at him training Neo, you know, trying to get Neo to be the one in the first movie. He's exactly... Uh, they kept his character, like, spot on from both. Even after all the shit he went through in the first movie. He, you know? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, it's the, definitely... the, difference, the difference in the first film is that everybody believes uh, Morpheus. You know, right. believes his, uh, you know, his way of thinking. Right, because we're the, not at Zion. We well, that we that. see, yeah. that we see, yeah. But then we see that, you know, maybe he's the, you know, religious lunatic, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's, he's the, kind of the, the guy. In a, exactly, you know, it's, it's like he's Moses and he thinks that uh, God has spoke to him and right. that his prophecy is going to be the saving grace for everyone mm-hmm. when uh, it might not be, you know. Uh, so he, he's a bit like a religious zealot. Yeah. You know? Which, yeah, you you wouldn't, you know, no, you couldn't know that from the first one, uh, no, because you don't have con, you don't have the context of the rest of the humans, well, you, you know, you don't ha- you don't have the big picture because exactly. he's really confident, like this is what's going to happen, and in, and in the second film, everybody's like, uh, we don't believe you, man, you know, yeah, uh, yeah I think you're a little nuts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, it, it was actually cool to see that because he 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 believed his own words, 
Right. But the people it, around him, not well, well. The thing is, I, I think the, the people did believe him. Uh, like I was the, the, just going to say, it's. I think it's it's the people kind of above him that don't believe him. The kind yeah. of his peers, but the people below him, clearly they love him because they announce his name and the whole cave goes nuts, which we'll talk about next. Yeah, which is which is very interesting. Yeah, and that and, and frankly, to me, the whole cave scene I thought was just kind of that's what I call it. It's not a cave scene, but you know what I'm talking about. It's kind of odd. Yeah, the orgy scene. Oh, yeah, dude, exactly. It's fucking weird. Hey, uh, so in Zion, there are no fat people. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I'm like, am, am I stuck on the engineering level and make sure all the gears are grinded or something? I, oh man, I, I did appreciate the odd nipple flash that we saw I through know. shirts and stuff. I know, but I was like, I'm oh, like, that's unexpected. So there's like one old person and there are no fat people in Zion. Right. Yeah. It was, it was strange. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like the, the speech by Morpheus, I thought it was okay, um, but it wasn't as powerful as kind of hoping it would be given the moment. Um, yeah. And then just we spend minutes watching them dance. And, and like I said, it almost feels like it's going to turn into an orgy, which is absolutely what it feels like. It just feels like a big fucking dance scene slash orgy. Um. And it really feels like the orgy because we get Neo and Trinity's sex scene kind of interspersed in there. So it just kind of mm-hmm. adds to it. But fuck, this scene just went on forever. It was way, way too, too long, long for its own good. Yeah, and um, I, I, I'm starting to think, okay, what does this cave scene smell like? The inside oh, of a belly button, maybe? I know. I always uh, think about that. Like, it's ugh, just you disgusting. Know, Unwashed dreads, maybe. Exactly. Uh, you know, I didn't notice any antiperspirant on anyone. No. <laughs> you know, and and, oh, and, and no. at one point, you know, the floor is wet. So I'm like, mm-hmm. is this from people sweating? Because I didn't see any rain fall from this guy. So yeah, I, you know what? I'd rather be on the engineering deck greasing gears. Exactly. Yeah. Weird. Oh man, yeah. So that was just an obnoxiously long scene, but yes, too long. I love, there's this line next. Uh, I forget. Oh, I, f- I forget what the fuck. It, oh, I think it's uh, John, Agent Johnson Smith shows up and he says, oh God, or whoever says, oh God, maybe it's just a random person. He says, oh God, and Smith, and Smith goes, Smith will suffice. I loved that line. I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's just, what a great character he is. But um, I have to admit, though, I don't think it's even the line. I think it's uh, the timing, the guy delivering it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the delivery. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'll be honest. Uh, you know, the way Agent Smith uh, portrays himself in this film, mm-hmm. I don't like him as much. I prefer him as plugged in Agent Smith. I don't like this multiple man Agent Smith at all. <laughs> it's just not the same for me anymore. Yeah, I don't. I think I. I don't know. I don't mind him. I guess I thought he was. Just as interesting in this one, I'd say, um, and I've just as well acted, obviously, which is not you're not saying it wasn't, but no, uh, just it, it just it's it's off, you know. It's like Agent Smith is off his meds, yeah, and I mean, that's what re- it is, right? Basically, pretty much, yeah. He's, and yeah. Yeah, I'm just not a big fan of this phase of the character, right? Um, it was surprising. So, like, they introduced this idea that the agents can be sucked into the phone when if they show up there when the phone's ringing. And I just think like it really took the agent that long to figure out that they can be that they can do that. Like that just seems like such well, a simple thing. I don't. That seems stupid. I, 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 no, that's just Agent Smith or Smith. No, now it, it is Johnson. newfound power. Was no, it, it was Johnson. No, wasn't that, it? That, no, that was Smith. Oh, I thought it was that Johnson was for some Smith. reason. So okay, so that's why you're saying that's why he can do it because he's he's well, unplugged. I don't necessarily. 
I don't necessarily think that that's the case. I think that's why they always tried to get off the phone before agents got there. Hmm. I think that might have uh, they the I think the people would have thought it might have been. Hmm. I I have to disagree. I don't think the agents can multiply themselves like that. I think I, this is not the multiply. I mean, download into a person on the other end on the phone. Well, it, but see, but I've never seen another agent put his hands in someone before like that. So I, I don't think the agents can. I, I don't believe so. I think the only reason why uh, Smith was able to infect the other guys is because he infected them in the Matrix. And then that infected character got brought back into the subconscious of the of the living person. Um, but I don't think the agents have the opportunity to to jump into people like that. Okay, um, I, I don't. I don't believe so, at least. But like, I didn't see any indication of that in the previous film. I could be wrong as well, but I, I think that's a, that's a special Smith uh, trick that he can do. I could. I could see that because the agents have the ability to take over whoever they want, but not become them. Is what? Yeah, I because see, an agent takes over someone. The original agent's gone. They're into that new body. Like it's a teleportation thing, right? Right. Yeah. What, what Smith is doing, he's duplicating himself like a virus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interesting. And even the way you that know, he what's what's interesting too is uh, Smith has basically become what he hates because he is well, a virus sucking everything down. Remember that speech? Yeah. Where he's sitting oh, there yeah. talking about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He 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 want like he said at the end of the film he wants he wants everything just like Neil wants exactly. It. Yeah. So he wants to take over the whole matrix. So what he's not even. With, fu- what do men with power want? More power. Yes, and the women and the drugs. Exactly. That's that's uh, what's her name's line, Oracle's line, that I wrote down from later on. I love that. Yeah. What do all men with power want? More power. Just the perfect line. Yeah. Um, the uh, I love you were talking about the engineering level. I that that just looks really cool. I like the the whole design of the engineering room. It was pretty uh, just epic, large, big scale. I I enjoyed that. And then. Right before he leaves, getting the gift of the spoon from one of the orphans. I thought that was really cool. I really like yeah. that moment. Yeah, I like that as well. It's a callback. Exactly. It's a shitty spoon, though. Like, come on. I know. Hey, he did his best, little kid. Yeah. Um, Like, so then he's going to see the Oracle. And obviously, the the whatever the guy's name is that uh, kind of protects the Oracle. Um, They have this fight scene. And it's just like. I, I was just taken aback. Like, it's just one big, perfectly choreographed dance is what it really is. And I can't even imagine how many hours they spent learning it and then finally filming it. Like, it's just so impressive to me. Yeah. Um, I didn't like it. Okay. I felt I felt it was a dance. Like, I'm, I'm looking at them striking. And I'm like, how is that supposed to hurt anybody? And the thing that's an issue I had with some of the fight scenes in this movie is that it feels like they're just tapping each other. You know, it's, it's, it, it feels like they're dancing instead of actually fighting. And like, I love the fight scenes of the first film and with this one. And then later on with a few of the agent fights, uh, I, I just, the way that it was choreographed and the way that it was presented, I just didn't like it. Plus I'm not a big fan of that. Uh, is it called Wushu or Wufu? The, the fighting, like a, a crouching tiger where it's all like wire work and it's kind of fantastical. I'm not a huge fan of that either. So I think that's why the fighting didn't really call to me in this movie. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, uh, I could definitely see, see where you're coming from there. Um, but yeah, I just and it, I, my, my marvel is more at the technical aspect of it just because 
like you know i've i've done fight scene i've done nothing obviously very small fight scenes in like uh, shows and just those lasted maybe three minutes of stage time and just the amount of man hours we put into those three minutes to make them look good is just i can't even imagine something like this like it's just impressive well there was one of the fight scenes i think it was the one uh, actually i think it was the one that we're talking about right now in the uh, tea house yeah where he worked on that i think two three hours a day for five months holy shit yeah just to make it look good and that's fucking crazy and the big issue was as well as because the guy playing Seraph, his name is uh, Colin Chow. Mm-hmm. He is a well-versed uh, martial artist. And obviously, um, uh, uh, fuck, uh, Neo. Um, oh, my God. I got a brain freeze right now. What is Neo? Um, yeah. Keanu uh, Reeves? Keanu Reeves. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> I apologize, folks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Obviously, Keanu Reeves, I could not. I was scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. And I <laughs> no, hate when IMDb does I this do too. first list. You know, uh, they're, they're listing them as uh, first on screen. I'm like, fuck you. No, it should be stars first. Anyways, Keanu uh, Reeves is not a martial artist. Um, mm-hmm. he, he became a fan of martial arts after the first Matrix. But uh, their big issue with uh, choreographing these films is to make the fight scenes look good, but to make Ken Reeves as well look as good as his opponent. You oh, know? yeah. yeah. So that's why there's so much practicing is so that, you know, he can actually make this fight scene, you know, as fantastical as it is, also believable that he can, you know, still uh, compete with this other guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so the technical aspect of it, I, I definitely enjoyed. I, I just the thought of, I guess. But. Yeah, I, I'm gonna write this down. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> wow. Oh man. Wow. Good times. Yeah, absolutely. I love the idea of this whole backdoor thing, like moving from one place in the Matrix to another. I using bet these, you do. Backdoors. I, I, I bet thought, you do. That's a that's a pretty cool idea. Um, and is obviously it? one that they play on later uh, when Agent Smith shows up in the hallway and all the Agent Smiths are there, or just Mr. Smith, I guess. But mm-hmm. cool cool idea. Uh, I, I laughed out loud when uh, uh, Neo arrives at the Oracle and she says, have a seat, won't you? He's like, how about I stand? And then he, a couple seconds later, he sits and he turns to her and says, I felt like sitting. I know. <laughs> I just, <laughs> like, I genuinely laughed out loud. I thought that was a really funny moment. And what's uh, interesting as well is the Oracle. Uh, she passed away during the oh. filming of uh, two and three. So in the film, we've got Gloria Foster who played Oracle in the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, but then in the cutscenes for the video game, there is a scene where both uh, Ghost and Naomi go to the Oracle, and it's the yeah. actress from the third film. Oh, and okay. the way the uh, the way they explained that. Um, is that uh, she says that um, she helped Neo and then she was punished. So hmm. the reason, so the punishment was to change her shell. So she's still the same person uh, on the inside, but her shell is different. So that was her oh, punishment for help. Yeah. So, but again, if you like, I'm not sure how they're going to uh, put this in the third film. Mm-hmm. Maybe they'll explain to Neo, hey, I look different. It's because I helped you. Uh, but they explained it in the video game. So okay, I thought that was kind of cool. interesting. Yeah. Do you know how far apart these were filmed? Because they were released the same year. Do you know how far apart they were actually filmed? Actually, I think they were all filmed at the same time. Two and two oh, were back okay. to back. Okay. Yeah, they filmed these. So two that's back interesting. To back. I think they had, 
I think they took like oh, a small okay. break between them, um, but not like maybe like a month off, and then they kept filming. Yeah. So. Hmm. Yeah. Um. So the Oracle situation. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not the smartest guy, as we already, uh, you know, made clear. I, I just thought it a little confusing. So, like, she's part of the machine. Is that? Can someone help me understand this? Uh, she's an exile. So, like Persephone, uh, like uh, Meridian or Marigolvidian, Marigolvidian. Oh, okay. um, they're they're called exiles. So they're programs, and same thing for the the keymaster or the uh, the key keeper. Yeah, keymaster. Yeah, keymaster. Keymasters. Right. Um, they're all exiles. Um, mm. Now, there's a special feature on the disc that at this point I was so burnt out from my special features I did not watch, but kind of explains their characters. Uh, mm. But they're they're programs they're from- within, and oh, okay. they they just they they know what they are and. Yeah, uh, that's like e- even uh, Cypher. You know when um, Neil walks into the tea house and sees Cypher, and he's got a golden aura. Yeah, um, that's what these uh, exiles look like. So, like, I- I'm oh, sure okay. if we saw Oracle with that with the Matrix graphics, mm-hmm. she'd probably be uh, glowing gold as well. Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, as much well, as well. And uh, the other thing I thought, well, the one thing I took away from that too is these guys were. Like from previous iterations of the Matrix, and they just kind of hung around. Yeah, and like uh, when you uh, when we hear from the uh, from is he called architect. The, the the architect? You know, he yeah. he was the father of the Matrix. The Oracle mm-hmm. was the mother. So right, right. They're they're just you know programs that kind of make sure shit goes well within. You know. Yeah. Okay. So, and then basically what I took away from this was that this entire thing is going to come down between to uh, Neo deciding whether to save Zion or save Trinity. That's what I took away from. And I thought that's a bit more uh, basic than I expected this thing to be. Yeah. And I was a little disappointed. And that basically is what it is. So I wasn't wrong, but... It's basic, but they wrap it in so many big words and confusing yeah. idealisms uh, that uh, you're not too sure after seeing the, the Oracle what exactly the fuck she, she really means mm-hmm. it, until you sit back and actually think about it. But uh, she tells Neo the same thing that the architect gives him at the end. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um. Ah, another corny shot. One of those moments that was just like so corny, but yet it worked for me was the crows flying away in slow motion to actually flying toward the camera in slow motion as Mr. Smith shows up corny. I thought, but it still, it worked for me <laughs> as stupid as it was just another one of those moments. It's, it's like a tumbleweed that crosses uh, right. the Oka corral before a showdown. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the same thing. Exactly. Or the newspaper going across the subway. They have uh-huh. that same idea. Yep. Um, and then I wrote down, holy fuck, the clone scene. This is literally the only thing I remember from either of these sequels. And frankly, I don't even remember if I watched the next one in theaters or not. I don't remember. But um, yeah. So, man, it is abundantly obvious when they go into CGI during this fight. And that's the main reason I hated the scene when I first saw it in theaters. Like, I was just so distracted by the fact that it looks like a bad cartoon most of the time that I actually lose, I lose, like, the actual fight choreography, which should be my focus. And that mm. just hurts it so much for me. Well, this fight was filmed in three stages. Uh, the first stage was Neo versus eight Smiths. 
So it was uh, eight guys, or it was uh, Hugo Weaving and seven other guys that was dressed like him, that looked okay. like him. Um, and then when the next stage is when there was 25 Smiths, where they started, um, they had all these actors, and then they put um, Hugo Weaving's face on all of them. And then the third stage was when it was 80 Smith. And at that point, that is all CG. And yeah, makes sense. Another reason why I just don't like it. I think my biggest issue with Smith and Neo in this movie is that their fight was epic in the first Matrix. Mm-hmm. You know, all their bulls look like it really hurt. But the more that Smith duplicates himself, it seems that he gets weaker because. You know, it's eight on one and Neil has no problem. Now, he is the one now. So he realizes he's the one. But it's like, you know, uh, arm block, you know, and then a a thrust punch. And he goes flying. And next one comes in. Like, there's no... It's like like one punch kills almost, you know? Yeah. Uh, Especially when it's 80 on one. Like, 80 Smiths on one Neil, Mm -hmm. Smith should... If we take a Smith Neil fight from the first movie and then you add 80 Smiths on top, he should win. But it's just right. like block, block, you know, throw a guy, three guys get bowled over like, uh, like, uh, like bowling pins. Um, I, I hated this. The, the reason why I liked the first fight so much was the intricacies. And, you know, it is like a dance, but it looked like a painful dance. And the fights here. It's just like mo- fast movements and it, 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 sh- it kind of fakes out the crowd thing. Oh, these are all moves, but all he's really doing is blocking punches and the guys are flying backwards. I don't like it at all. No, I mean, it, it definitely took me out of it a lot. Um, I, I, I definitely, I, and that's the thing. I honestly don't remember if I saw the next one or not because I feel like. I saw this scene. I hated it so much. And I feel like that may have turned me off from seeing the next one, to be completely honest with you. But okay. I'll know more next week when I actually rewatch it to see if I remember any of it. Yeah. But I I don't like the scene. It's not a good scene. But it doesn't ruin the mo- rest of the – it doesn't ruin the movie for me like it did the first time I watched it. Okay. I just really dislike this fight scene. Um, but again, like I don't – I just feel like there's so, so – some of these scenes are just so long – and they don't need to be because the plot doesn't progress throughout this fight scene at all. Like n- nothing really about it progresses the story at all. Just like the like the orgy scene, nothing really progresses very much. Mm-hmm. And like a scene we'll talk about later that I have the same feeling on. So like, I, I don't know. It's just, it kind of is what it is. I didn't like it at all. I think it's pretty bad, frankly. But like, you know, it's 15 year old technology. It is what it is. Yeah. But. Like one on one fights. Awesome. 80 yeah. on one fights. Not cool, especially when it's the one that wins. Right, but you I know, don't what? know a really good fight that like that that looked really great. I think of Kill Bill, Volume One. Oh, like sure, sure. Yeah, obviously, it's not all CGI, but, and so it looks really good. No, but. and at the same time, though, in that Kill Bill fight scene, they weren't all piling on him. You know, it was like one or two guys attack. Everybody else exactly. is in a circle. They go down. Next two guys attack. Yeah. This is like they're all on him, and he like mm-hmm. just breaks free, flies away. I'm like, ah, I don't like this. Again, yeah. he is the one, so I, I got to take that away. That he's no longer human, right? Like, right. He's well, not. They, he's I know, a mutant, but they keep you know? saying he's human. Yeah, 
but he's he's super powered. Mm-hmm. But but I just I, I don't know. I just the fights were so cool in the first film, and this is just it's a CGI cutscene, and I just it takes me out. Yeah, definitely. Moving moving past this one. Um, See, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Go I, ahead. I, I, I no, I have to. I have to. I hate the CGI, but at the same time, I absolutely fucking love this sequence. <laughs> really? Okay. <laughs> yes. Uh, I I just love the I love them piling it all on him, and I think Neo's I like Neo's kind of you know using the environment against Smith routine just worked for me. Uh, but you know, I, I teach their own, but I, no, I like yeah. the, the you know just it it felt really well planned out. It's just I didn't think you know I I would be interested to see them try to do this sequence now with the CGI you know the CG effects we have now. Oh and sure, I definitely. I think it would yeah. absolutely blow everybody fucking away but you know it i can understand for the time but it you know while i didn't like the cd kind of take me out of it a little bit i'd like i really appreciated what they were trying to do with it good i honestly think that if they would have done that scene as a you know final fantasy style animated sequence like they did for flight of the osiris would probably have worked a lot better than making a cgi fight scene and try to look real hmm yeah you know yeah That'd be an interesting aesthetic. Yeah. That's that's really interesting because I do, man, like, I almost feel like the Flight of the Osiris actually looked more realistic than what Some we get here. Some of the CGI here. used. I yeah. totally agree. I totally huh. agree. Um, This next scene, uh, it swerved the hell out of me. Like, I didn't expect it to go where it did. So, obviously, they're asking for two people, two volunteers to go find, what is the fucking ship called that they're on? Nebuchadnezzar? Thank you. Yes. To find them and the one guy stands up and he volunteers and then the second one is Niobe and I was like oh shit just swerved like the hell out of me and the hell out of her husband or her man whatever the hell he is like what a cold move man going to go get her ex with her uh, and like really turning her back on her current her current partner I was like oh damn I didn't see that coming so I like that yeah I thought that was fun <laughs> And from here is where we get into the what was the French guy's name again? Um, hi. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I just love saying that name. <laughs> um, I wish I could pronounce it. I know. I, I can't even see it to pronounce it. But oh, there it is, Merovingian. There we go. Okay. Um, I I just I, we already talked about it a little bit, but I do love that scene and just like the orgasming dessert. <laughs> Um, yeah. program that was awesome um, well, and then of course that, it leads into this really cool scene with uh, his wife that cake looked delicious though it really did yeah yes. so, so yes, I, ca- did. I, I cannot blame her I cannot blame her at all good for her yeah I and so then um, so Mark you mentioned this in the last film there was just these kind of small character moments like little sighs here and there that really kind of sucked you into the original one a lot and just made mm-hmm. you appreciate the acting yes one moment where that happened here they're on the elevator and Morpheus is, he says something along the lines of this happened exactly the way it was supposed to happen. And if it wasn't supposed to happen, it wouldn't have basically something along those lines. Yeah. And then the elevator door opens and the wife says, if you want to find, if you want the key maker, follow me. And Morpheus is, he just has this little smile and this little, like this little smirk and he turns his head, just cocks it a little bit. <laughs> I'm just like, you smug son of a bitch. 
like just <laughs> such a great character moment that really reminded me of what you were talking about in the first movie. Such a well, such a good moment for him. Well, the thing is, he's so he he believes his beliefs so yeah, much. It's it's yeah. It's, it's not almost a. Matter a if, bl- it's almost a blind devotion to it. Exactly. Yeah. It's not even a matter if. It's just he is. Like yeah. he is right, and that's just the way it is. Like it's not it's a like, question to him, like it is to everybody else. Like he can do this blind. Exactly. Exactly. You know, he, right. that's how strong his faith is. Yeah. Um, I'll have to admit the line I loved. Yeah. Is when they've got the keymaster. I'm going to call him Keymaster. I don't know if it's Gatekeeper or whatever. No, you're but, right. It's uh, the Keymaster, so, right? It's the Keymaster. Keymaker. Okay. Keymaker. Keymaker. Key there we go. Key sorry. Sorry. Yes. So, so when a Keymaker and you got Trinity and Neo and Morpheus and uh, Persephone and it's uh, with uh, Merovigan and his and his oh, guys. I, I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. And she makes a comment about, you know what? <laughs> uh, oh, you lied to me. Well, I haven't lied to you. He goes, well, what about that lipstick? He's yeah. like, I'm not wearing lipstick. <laughs> oh, no. She didn't kiss her face or some stupid thing. I was like, Yeah, she oh, wasn't kissing your lips. I love that. Rainbow party. I'm like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> I want to be I in the Matrix it. so bad. <laughs> I knew that's where you were going. I love that oh, moment, too. Fucking so love. That, that made the film for me. I'm like, see? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was great. Um, I liked before that with, um, she, again, another thing that just felt like, I don't know, like basic juvenile. I, I don't know. Just a little ridiculous. Like the whole kiss thing, how, she, how the only way she's going to show him where the key maker is. If, if he kissed, if Neo kisses her the way that he kisses Trinity, yeah. like, ah, it's just so, I don't know, weird, but oh, the, when want, Trinity you, gets mad and says, why don't you sample this and pulls out the gun? I thought that was great. If you want to hear weird, in Enter the Matrix, she does the same thing to Niobe and to Ghost in two separate scenes. Oh, really? So, so if you're playing as Niobe, looking for the key. So I guess in the, in the game, Niobe frees the key master, but then he gets recaptured. Oh. So when okay. Persephone does the, hey, you want me to help you? You're going to have to kiss me like you love me. Yeah. And she does that. And she does the exact same thing. First kiss isn't good enough. Second kiss is all good. Yeah. And then if you play as ghost, first kiss isn't good enough. Second kiss is all good. I'm like, seriously? So they did that scene three times with Naomi, ghost, and then Neo. Nice. Hey, it's weird. It's good weird. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I, 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 I love me some Persephone. Like, I, I love yeah. that actress. She is I know. Yeah, so Bellamy's beautiful. Too. Yeah. You know who I thought was beautiful? Was oh, Link's... Oh, let, me, let me guess. Let me guess. Okay. R- Roy Jones Jr. Yes. yes. Ah. You're absolutely <laughs> right. But aside from him, Link's okay. wife or wife or girlfriend, whatever the hell she was. Yes. From earlier in the film. I thought she was gorgeous. But, yeah. I'm trying to uh, find her name. Uh, Mazur, uh Oh, no. That's Christopher Kirby. That's the wrong actor. Uh, her name was Z. Nona Gay. Okay. And, uh, yeah, I thought she was gorgeous, but yeah, yeah. Oh, there she is. And she's been in the, she hasn't worked since 09. I'll make sure she hasn't passed away because she hasn't. Um, yeah, her last film was Blood and Bone in 2009. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, so she did the Matrix stuff and then she did the Gospel in 05. Uh, she, she did the Triple X movie, yeah. uh, uh, with, uh, Ice Cube. And, uh, yeah, she hasn't uh, done too, too much. No, interesting. Hmm. Yeah, too bad. Um, so then uh, in this scene here, you just got to love those, the fucking pale ass white twins with the fucking dreads. Oh. What, what a character design that is. You know what? I, when I watched the film the first time, mm-hmm. I hated those twins. Mm-hmm. See, I, but I love them. Yeah. Oh, now, I, oh, I, I think they're fantastic. Yeah, I like them. 
Yeah. But you know, do we you know what they're based movie. on though? What they're what their designs based they're on? Ghosts. Well, they're they're aren't they like vampires or ghosts or some shit? Yeah, but, well, but I don't know their designs. But, but what they're tr- true life design. They were designed after jellyfish. Really? That's why. Yeah, that's why they got the dreads and uh, the so pale. Yeah, they're based oh. off jellyfish. How cool is that? That is pretty cool. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. Yeah, I hated those guys at first, but seeing this for the first time when uh, we when I first watched this uh, last week, and then again today, and I'm like, yeah, these guys are actually pretty cool, and I hope yeah. during the next one. <laughs> I know. I love like later on in the in the big car chase scene. They get back into the the car together, and there's something he says like, "We're starting to oh. get annoyed." In the yes, and he's like, "Yes, we are." Like, I, whatever the hell yeah. the line was, I like that line. And I just love the way that they would phase in and out and like phase back to the car. I'm right, like, that is just cool. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny how you know uh, I'm like shitting on some of the CGI, mm-hmm. but I love these two ghosts, these albino twins. Yeah. I love the way they morph in and out of uh, phase in and out of things. I thought that was very cool. Yeah, I thought it looked good. I, I was I was buying it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Loved it. Love it. I was so happy that we were getting this like badass car chase sequence. Um just cuz got to love a good car chase sequence. Um and then it just went on for Ever. I was like, outside of like something like Duel, where the entire film was a car chase film, like this has got to be mm-hmm. one of the longer fucking car chase sequences I've seen in a long time. Well, um, they but, had but, to spend time on it because they actually built that whole set themselves. Oh, so wow. That, so they built a mile and a half of freeway what? just, just what? to film. Yeah, they built that stretch of road just for the film. And then what they did is they dismantled everything and all the all the um, building materials, they sent it to Mexico so they could build the low-income housing. Oh, huh. wow. That's, that's awesome. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. So instead of shutting down a freeway, because mm-hmm. I think they filmed there for like six weeks. Holy um, shit. They built a mile and a half of stretch of road that's for really the film. Cool. Yeah. Man, it's, it's amazing what $125 so cool. million dollars will get you. Well, can you imagine that today? I the know. film would be a billion dollars just to produce. <laughs> exactly. Like, one twenty-five with CG. The way with with how CGI and special effects are nowadays, that wouldn't even be a consideration. Yeah, for one twenty-five, what they did, they that's cheap as fuck. Nowadays, yes. Um, and then I would like it's just like a a damn good Cadillac commercial because of all the <laughs> shit that's get done to these cars. It's still riding around pretty damn well at the end. Uh, Cadillac must have play, paid a pretty penny to get their cars in this movie. I don't know how they did not get shot to bits in that oh, car. Oh, God, I know. <laughs> you know, no, w- thousands and thousands of bullets and nobody was, even gets shot. It was so cool. And, and that's another thing. Like in that opening sequence, which we'll visit again at the end, when Trinity is falling out of the of the building and she's got two Uzis yeah. blasting the, uh, the agent. Yep. How does she miss the agent with every uh, single bullet? Who knows? How man. the fuck is that possible? They are terrible shots. Oh, horrible shots. Horrible shots. Well, are they horrible shots? Or are the agents moving that fast? Oh, that's a good point. But uh, you, uh, it didn't look like they were moving when he was shooting. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It know. just seemed like with a bullet time, like she just missed him like almost on purpose. Uh, <laughs> again, though, you're falling out of building. Uzis don't have good aim to begin with, so it's a mm-hmm. prey and spray weapon. But to not hit him once with two guns going at, yeah, it seemed yeah. kind of far fetched for me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
the uh, yeah. the motorcycle sequence reminded me of like what I do in GTA, like GTA <laughs> Vice, like, driving yes. toward the cars, trying to weave my way through it. I like that. It, 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 to me, this, this car chase sequence and the whole sequence on the freeway um, is the best <laughs> Sorry, part I just of the remembered film. The- yeah, I remembered the line the free you know where they're talking about going on to it. And they're like that's suicide. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, let's was, hope I'm wrong. What was the rule? Yeah, what was the, what was the thing you always told us never go on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's just like uh yeah, I just saying, thought, I just thought like it, again, if you look at the uh, look at the special features like they do this scene in depth with special features and how the CGI and all that jazz mm-hmm. and uh the work they put in just pays off because like the car crashes, most of them are real. And just to, because again, they own the stretch of road just to get all the, the driving and the speeds all in tune with the, with the, uh, uh, you know, with the action pieces. Um, it takes a lot. And what they did because they kind of went crazy with the, with the cameras is that they pre-rendered everything on the on the computer? So you know how they storyboard things. So they storyboarded, storyboarded, not boated, storyboarded <laughs> um, every scene, and then they inputted all that data into the computer, so that the computer would tell the actual director if the shot they want, if it was feasibly possible or not. Um, oh so, wow! Yeah, so everything was mapped out to like to the millisecond. Um, which really helped the stunt coordinators actually like, you know, actually make this uh, a reality because if you're like, it's a cool like driving scene, but if you really look at it, it's so intricate. And like, I'm surprised nobody died to be honest with you. Well, all the accidents and what could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's a beautiful sequence to look at. Like if you just sit back and not like, you know, look at it as a piece of film, but just like look back and, or like not look at it as a part of the story, but just sit back and absorb what you're actually seeing. Oh man, it, it takes your breath away. Like kudos for those guys to actually get this going because it's 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 astonishing. Yeah. It's really it really is astonishing. Um, I love like getting the keymaker to the top of the truck. Uh, the way they do that, I thought was fucking brilliant. I really like that. And then once we're on the top of the truck, I just, I wish the sequence of Morpheus and uh, the agent fighting on the top of the semi, I just wish it looked better because it's such a cool idea and it's just spoiled because it looks like absolute shit because of the, you know, you can definitely see that it's, it doesn't look realistic at all. Yeah. That and just some of the moves that Morpheus does, Mm -hmm. you know, like, like he's being kind of pompous with a sword. Okay. Whatever. Yeah. Again, blind faith, right? Like I can use any weapon and the prophecy will come true. Um, but even like when he does that handstand at the edge of the, of the truck to help Uh himself from falling and then just like holds it. I'm like, seriously, (laughs) you know, you have an agent on your ass in the first film. You were deathly afraid of agents. And now it's like, come at me, bro. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, with his like sword. Just bring it hand gesture like he did yeah. in the first movie with uh, with Neo. And I think that's what makes the end so devastating for him is because he's so cocky throughout the film. Yeah. And then he's like, yeah, uh, the prophecy is wrong. It's like, what? Exactly. <laughs> you know, he doesn't know where to put his feet anymore. Yeah, exactly. I And frankly, I thought when the semis crashed, I thought it looked better than I expected. Um, that, that moment, the way it, cause it's done in slow motion with like the ripple effect. I thought that looked pretty mm-hmm. cool. Um, and then Neo supermaning in there to save the day, uh, picking them up from the truck. 
Um, I actually liked that that little sequence there at the end. Yeah, the the explosion is pretty cool. Uh, I just like again because I'm I'm watching or I'm playing Burnout right now. So yeah. every time I crash, it has a crumpling effect on right, you know yeah. a car or on a cement pillar or whatever. So seeing these two semis like just ripple and according themselves into each other, mm-hmm. uh, I just like car crashes. So I thought that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, this but, next, but, go ahead. Well, I was gonna say, did we skip a fight? Because isn't but at the maybe, same time, um, isn't Neil fighting? Uh, Miro Viggins guys in the castle. Yeah, yeah, that's that was his distraction. I think that was right. What they yeah yeah. So so plus now so now we've got also uh, a, a neo fight where it's like seven on one with weapons and everything breaks. I yeah. thought that was pretty cool, even though it was still very wire foo-ish. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to the special features, they had thirty three different pulley systems. Or the 23 different stunts they used for that action sequence, which took, I think, three weeks to film, if I remember that correctly. Wow. But, um, yeah, t- 33 wire setups for 23 gags. Wow. Did you just come up with the with the term wire foo? No, I've heard it before. No, no, oh, that's, okay. That's, I was going to yeah. say, I like that. That term I was, came I was out gonna be impressed. with... Um, with uh, Crashing Tiger again. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, that makes sense. a lot for that. But if you look at all the sculptures in the castle scene where they're fighting, yeah, all all the all the uh, faces on the warriors, they're all uh, Merovigian's face. Oh, I so didn't notice it, that. So it, it's all uh, sculptures of himself, That's which awesome. I think is because he's so full of himself. Exactly. I, I just I just love that little tidbit. That's really cool. I didn't catch that at all. I didn't either. <laughs> That's awesome, though. <laughs> so there's a speech after the end of the uh, the car chase scene that Morpheus gives. And that one, I was digging. Like, I was at the point now where I would totally die for this guy at this point. Um, like he says, basically, what if it's true? And that was enough for me. I'm in, man. Let's do it. Let's let's go on the freeway. Or no, this was after the freeway. Let's let's, let's keep going. Like I was just down with him at that point. Um, I was starting. I'm starting to believe in Morpheus's uh, in Morpheus's vision. Oh, I, was, I like that. Um, and then uh, we and then obviously we kind of set up for the end of the film here with uh, the whole plan. Basically, you know, they're going to do this and that at the same time, and then it's going to open up the door whatever blah 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 for for neo to go through and he's the only one that can go through it and that's when we're going to meet the architect um so the the machines get in beforehand though and so they lose the one group and so trinity is forced to go in i mean i wrote down like good lord like trinity can't keep the one damn promise she she made to him but to be fair it w- it was necessary so like i understood why she didn't keep the promise it, it made it worked for the character, like it just made sense, which a lot of times in something like that, it doesn't. And so I appreciate the fact that it actually made sense for her to break that promise. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then you get the action sequence uh, down the hall with um, the multiple a- agents, uh, not agent, um, uh, and Smiths. Smiths, Jesus, yeah. thank you. And um, I like the key maker goes in one door, then kind of sneaks his way around using the matrix um, to get to the correct door. And then when the key maker died, I thought that was a, just like a, a genuinely d- sad moment because I liked him a lot. And it's just, 
it was so funny because he served his purpose, right? He he yeah. gotten the right door open, and that's what he was there for. Um, and it just kind of plays into me buying Morpheus's Morpheus's story at this point. Yeah, that's one thing too. I did like the key uh, maker as well a lot. Yeah, um, I thought it was a really good character. So it's sad to see him pass away, but it made sense story wise though. Exactly. Exactly. I thought the architect who who played the architect is you know offhand. Uh, let me see if I can find him here. Yeah, I thought he just had like the perfect voice for right for what they were doing. Yeah, I I, I thought so too. Um, I cannot find. Who I didn't the know if he was somebody is. famous or not, but I guess I guess uh, his name is Helmut Baketis. Helmut. Uh, yeah, Helmut H E L M U T. Oh. Um he was hmm. I don't know. Well, he's known for uh, Happy Feet, Hacksaw Ridge, and the Matrix movies. Huh. But I'm looking at his other movies on IMDb and they don't uh ring a bell whatsoever. Yeah. But I yeah, I loved his voice. Yeah. And his monologue that he had seemed so difficult. Oh uh, yeah. Like I was, I was just in awe having him actually repeat this dialogue, <laughs> straight exactly. faced. Like it was pretty sweet. It was a very cool scene. Mm-hmm. So basically, he comes. He tells us that this is is this, uh, Neo the the seventh one now or the sixth one? Uh, the sixth. Okay, so he's the sixth one. So basically. I don't, it's coming. Or kind of, no, he's he's a seventh because it happened six, six times. Yeah. Yeah. So can He's someone kind one. of like explain, kind of dumb this down a little bit? What was what was being shared in this monologue or this scene? Uh, pretty much that uh, he knows exactly what Neo's going to do before he does it. Kind of like the Oracle, mom and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, and that every time that we wipe you out, it gets easier because we've done it before and then we're going to do it again. Um what I don't understand is so did he if they so has okay so this means that the the machines have destroyed Zion six times previously right right because yes, yes exactly. it says because he says pick sixteen women and seven men to repopulate so how long ago did the machines take over because for them to repopulate by with such small numbers to what they have now must take centuries or must take decades. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, at this point I'm wondering what year it is because it's, it's not uh, like it's in the future, but it must be so far in the future. It just feels like they've done this six times before. Yeah. It just feels like, I don't know. It's just like time doesn't it like, it's just, like they must be like in a year like thirty five hundred by now, right? Like it's just so far out there that's like not even a consideration anymore. Like they just yeah. keep restarting time every time they do this type of thing. I, I don't know. Yeah. So and what I don't get is that if they destroy Zion, why do they have to kill their batteries, or do the batteries even die? I I'm a little yeah. confused by that. I am too, um, and that's that's why I was kind of hoping someone would be able to dumb it down a little bit because, like, it, it yes, I was just confused. Like, clearly, and, and, the architect is a representation of God. Like that, I, I'm very clear on. Like, I got that instantly. But like, yeah. what is actually happening here, other than the fact that I understand that they've destroyed Zion six times, but it's like, I I don't know why. 
Why? But why even create a Zion? Like right. if you've got your batteries, then why create a human resistance? Is it for exactly. their- Exactly. Why create your enemy? Like it doesn't, I just don't get Is it because you need an enemy? Like, you know, if not, the matrix won't work? I, if, I don't know. Ash, any thoughts? Part of it might be to have a, a human gene pool. That way, you know. <sighs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's well, I think maybe the only thing I can think of would be like a gene pool for the machines. They want to back up in case, you know, shit goes down. Yeah. Um, the the other thing would be to, maybe maybe that's just it. Maybe the Matrix needs that, you know, they need that outside influence to keep things going. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know their their programs, the way they set stuff up. It's like you know that's just the way we've always done it. At that, that's the one of the things I can think of. Right. You know, the machines kind of program this, and it's it works before, and but you know they have to reset it every once in a while because you know the RAM is bad or you know the mm-hmm. the memory is full, need to reset type of thing. Yeah. That that's that's kind of where I think they were going with it, but it's like you said, it's really fucking confusing. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure there's somebody out there who, you know, has watched these movies countless times, has it all memorized, you know what I mean, and knows everything you can know about the Matrix. So if you are listening by any chance, you know, let us know. Let us know what your thoughts are on what is happening here and why for the this whole this whole sequence here. We'd love to hear from you guys. But at least I'm not the only one, so it makes me happy. Um, and then we get to the point where he chooses the door, and I was just so like disappointed, I guess, because it just feels like the boring, obvious choice. And I guess I just maybe it's just because I'm not invested enough in their love story to give a shit. Like I, I don't know. I just wanted him to choose the other door. I wanted it to be something different, and it wasn't. It was kind of the same old, same old. Same everything that you'd expect. And that was that was disappointing. Sorry, I'm trying to look at answers on Reddit about what is the uh, architect telling Neo. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm uh, like, everything I'm looking at, it's way too long to read on a yeah. podcast. No, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but, I, I'm, so, I'm sorry. So what were you, what were you saying? I, you were talking I'm about... just a little disappointed in the fact that he, of the door that he chooses. Like I wanted him to go with kind of the road less traveled in films like this and he goes with you know following his love and it's just i guess i wasn't invested enough in the in the love story to care and well, i wanted him well, to choose the other one wasn't the architect uh, kind of surprised i didn't go with uh, zion i didn't think so i thought he was because he even when he he walk he starts walking to the door he says something i forget what his line is but it was basically I don't know. It made me believe that this is exactly what he knew was going to happen, what Neo was going to choose. And he's and then Neo's like, for for your sake, I hope we don't meet again. And he's like, yeah, we won't. So, But whatever his dialogue was before that, it made me believe that this is exactly what he he knew was going to happen. And so it just oh, felt, maybe. felt disappointing. Not disappointing. I, I, I th- the thing is, it, it's the first selfish act he does, though. You know, where he, he goes for his true love over saving a city full of people. Mm-hmm. So it, it is a selfish act. It is. Yep. And it's funny because you, you say it's the first one. And I, I kind of thought of him as selfish here for like basically the rest of the uh, the rest of this film as it goes on. But yeah, I guess you're right. You know, it is kind of, I mean, why does he choose the red pill? 
because he wants to know, you know, what else is there that I don't, I wouldn't call that selfless. No, no. I, and I wouldn't call that, I wouldn't, wouldn't call that selfish either. Yeah. He's just, he's just curious, but mm-hmm. like, you know, when the chips fall, he's always looking to save his crew in this case here, you know, it's like the city or the woman he loves and picking the woman he loves. That's pretty selfish. Uh, would I have done the same thing? Yeah. But you know, I'm not the one though. Um, but uh, I'm trying to think of anything else where he put himself in front of the greater good. And this seems to be the first time. Yeah, nothing springs to mind immediately. Um, yeah, so I can't think of anything right now either, I guess. Um, I like the Link's reactions to everything he is seeing happen in the Matrix. Like, it's just, it's like he's watching a sporting event. Like, he just, uh, his the ups and downs of it. And then at the end, he's just like, I can't handle this. Like, it's just, it was very funny. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, and then, you know, getting closer to the oh, end here. Go ahead. Do you want to hear? Do you want to hear a tidbit that was yeah. only in a video game? Yeah. So, Ghost, uh, he goes to the Oracle, and the Oracle tells him that uh, he can't. He'll never be with his true love. Mm-hmm. And then we find out later on in the game, because it's never mentioned in the movie, that his true love was Trinity, but Trinity loves uh-huh. another man, which is Neo. Okay. So Ghost's dynamic with Neo is kind of like the dynamic with Morpheus and with um, Niobe. With the with no with uh, well yeah uh, uh, Morpheus Niobe and the uh, Commander Locke. Yeah, it's a, it's very similar. And there was a scene in the movie where Ghost, you know, he's with with Trinity, and she's, she's like something like, "Oh yeah, you've always got my back," and he's like, "Yeah, I do." But then it's a throwaway line. But if you play the video game, you'll realize that, you know, he'll never be happy because his true love is Trinity and Trinity is with Neil. But that's never explained at all in the film. It's only a cutscene in the video game itself. That's really cool. See, yeah, I, just, I need to play that game. That's awesome. <laughs> now you don't. Just watch a special. Uh, right, just, watch yeah. the, <laughs> just watch the scenes on the DVD. Yeah. I want to play that game, I guess. But, yeah. Um, well, I thought it was really weird. Like, he has the... Like, he has the ability to, to literally stick his hand inside her and make her heartbeat again. Uh, I don't know. There's something. It was just weird scene to me. It first takes the bullet out and then makes her heartbeat again. How painful would that feel, though? Oh, yeah, like, I know. Like, like, we're seeing the Matrix look, you know, yeah, of his exactly. hand in her, in her body. But, like, mm-hmm. I want to see that with normal eyes. Right. Because <laughs> that, that would be messy. Definitely. Because apparently what he does after, he squeezes her heart. Comes back to life and then he starts licking his fingers. I'm like, dude, <laughs> that is so weird. Oh man, you've changed, Neo. Right. So, Neo makes the selfish decision to save Trinity instead of Zion, and then he had the gall to tell Morpheus that he was wrong the whole time and everything he believed was a lie. Like, I just thought that was awesome. Uh, the second incredibly selfish act because if he would have made the other decision the arguably the right decision this would morpheus's um idea his his belief would have been correct and it just felt like two very selfish shitty decisions well i think it's what the the architect told neo kind of poo-pooed the whole uh the whole prophecy in happening in, to begin with so again i can't really verbalize properly what the architect actually meant yeah. but within his jargon he pretty much told Neil that no, there is no prophecy. This was all predetermined. I knew you were coming. 
now you're here. I know what you're going to do because you're just a program like everybody else. Right. But if really, he would have done the other, if he would have, you know, broken the mold, then he, it would have been correct. But I don't think he could have. Oh, that's even worse than if that's the case. Yeah. I really like he was predestined I, to save his loved one. I don't yeah. think he could have broken the mold. I think it was programmed to just, the architect knew what exactly he was going to do. Right. Um, yeah. He was not surprised, like I said previously. Uh, he knew exactly what he was going to do. So this was all, like, he had safeguards. Like, this is, there was no way he was going to go against his programming. I see. And, and if that's the case, then I like the movie even less. Because that's, just, like, <laughs> why am I watching it then? Like, it's already predetermined. Like, if there's not, if the if the character I'm watching can't make a choice one way or the other, it's like, why why even? that? If that's, I, 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 I'm going to choose not to believe that. Because okay. I, that makes me like it less. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but and and then and then kind of at the end here, it's just I just put a bad taste in my mouth. So like, Neo makes a selfish decision, and then he has the line, "Something is different," and then he's all of a sudden able to just take out the machine that tries to attack them. Like, what a! I just felt like it was such a bullshit end to this lesson. You know, nothing is sacrificed and he still gets everything he, he wants, or so it appears to be at least in, in, before we get into the next movie. Like, I just, I thought that was bullshit after everything that we've seen so far and everything the film has been preaching, it just felt like a cop out at the end. And that, that was disappointing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was actually surprised by that. I'm like, how can he generate the electrical field or, mm-hmm. you know, now he's a human EMP. Um, yeah. I, I did not remember that from the previous uh, viewing. So right. surprised. And I feel like just kind of overall, this movie is long. It's two hours and almost 20 minutes, two hours and 18 minutes. Like it's longer than the first one, I believe, by maybe 10 minutes or so, something like that. Mm. Um, And I feel like they, uh, everything is very like basic, very, very base. Like they don't go very deep with anything. Like, for example... at the end here this oh oh something is different and like that's gonna bring us to the end of the movie like no fuck off that's that's weak that's lame like work for it a little harder um the relationship the kind of the the three-way between the love triangle between um uh niobe and um morpheus and the commander like that it it means nothing in this film they mention it but it means nothing really um i mean they're just so Many things that they decide to waste time on, not waste time necessarily, but like the car chase sequence is super long. The 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 dance orgy scene, um, like the the one on eighty fight scene, like they go so long with these s- surface elements that mm-hmm. they have so much that they kind of introduce, like the uh, the character who we know from the Animatrix, like we know not we learn nothing of them. Like why why do I care? I we get and, and even in um neo and trinity's relationship like it doesn't grow at all really yeah he saves her whoopie do like it, it's a movie when is the a love interest not saved like yeah. it just it doesn't go any deeper and it just stays very um surface and it that to me is probably the biggest disappointment with reloaded as a whole okay oh well, fair enough yeah so do you uh, have yeah go ahead yeah yeah, I was gonna say yeah, I, I I do agree with you. Some the film could have trimmed some fat. Um, again, like the orgy scene was a little too long, and this is me saying an orgy scene is too long. Uh, but yeah, that dance scene was like I didn't need to see so much of that. <laughs> right. um, 
some of the fight scenes felt very repetitive. And then when you get into a full CGI animation, I just don't care. Um, so I agree with you. They could have probably trimmed 20 minutes off, off of this film. That's it. I did like the freeway scene a lot. Um, I thought it was, it was long, but I, I didn't feel it was, it had overstayed its welcome. Uh, but I think if it would have lasted maybe two, three minutes longer, at that point, you would get a little bit of fatigue. Um, but I thought for its length and what they spent on it and what they did with it, it was pretty solid because it, it was not just one, you know, car chase scene. It had all its different segments from the car to the bike to the fight on top of the semi. Um, so yeah. even though it had a similar, um, a similar situation, it was three different things. And, and don't get me wrong. I like it. I, I really liked it. But it, in terms of driving the story forward, in terms of deepening our our relationship with these characters, it, it did nothing, really. Uh, yeah. Well, it's an action film more than anything else, right? Their plots usually suck anyways. Ah, man. But The Matrix was so great. Like, it was – this isn't living up to the what we were given in the first film is, I guess, oh, why I, I was expecting more, I guess. Sure. No, I yeah. agree. Yeah, but yeah, no, I definitely, I'm definitely with you. I mean, it's a, it's a great, great sequence, no doubt. But um, do you have any other like tidbits that you learned um, that you wanted to mention that we haven't? Um, straight to link here. I think I said most of the stuff I wrote. Okay. Um, yeah, there, there was actually a scene in the video game where Ghost and Nairobi they're actually exiting the Matrix, so they're in the subway station from the first film. And Nairobi's the last one to leave. And the hobo says, uh, 72 hours. And then he goes, that's how long Zion lasted last time. So, mm. so she's wondering, what, what the fuck are you saying? Because for right. her, it's the first time, you know? Right. But I guess this was a special character and it was just this vagrant hobo in the subway station telling her that, uh, you guys don't have a chance. Last time it was 72 hours. And then we took over. So I thought that was interesting. But again, yeah. no mention in the film. Right. Yeah, that's crazy. But apart from that, that's pretty much all. Um, again, the special features in this whole trilogy or quadrilogy, I guess, is exhaustive. Oh, um, yeah. I checked. So every film I've got has a revisited disc. But then there's also a booklet that comes with the uh, with the box set. And another three-disc set. That has more fucking special features. So um, I will not be able to go through all that material. But uh, <laughs> if you're into that stuff, this box set is chock full of it. It's uh, almost exhausting. It's daunting. Like, holy shit, I got like nine hours of special features for a three-hour movie. <laughs> it's right. a lot of stuff. <laughs> exactly. Oh, man. All right. Well, good. So, Ash, what are your final thoughts and your star rating for The Matrix Reloaded? Well, I liked it a lot when I first saw it in theaters, but I think some of it's some of it's lost its luster. Um, it fell into it really feels like I, I actually I can kind of compare this to Back to the Future uh, trilogy. Um, you know, the first one had a lot of promise. The second one feels like they is the don't best one really in the franchise. Oh, oh, no, 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 oh, okay. no. Okay, now, so you we're have not a, talking Star Wars. You have a wrong opinion here, on the Back to the Future trilogy. Okay, so now we know. Go ahead. I I apologize. <laughs> I interrupted you. Well, no, it, it just feels like a lot of the time they didn't know what to do. They just knew they wanted to go bigger and better, and and it didn't quite work. 
and it just it it feels rushed and i don't know and i know it wasn't rushed because they spent years the movie and yet it still feels like it was rushed um but and i think that it kind of flows into it and it's like yeah i like that they kind of like tell you know a story but you know usually like when a movie even when a movie in a series like is going to be to to be like the story's going to go on it just doesn't leave with to be continued you know it's just like really really right uh uh i don't know and that that really pissed me off when we saw it in theaters i was like are you fucking kidding um but i mean overall i i think the action sequences are fun i think it tries to be it tries to be smarter than it is and and with wordplay and everything else and it just it it doesn't work it's like the matrix was a much smarter story and this one just feels like and we're just going to keep piloting on uh and it just doesn't work for me um so while i gave the original matrix a four out of four i give matrix uh uh oh god which one is this one (laughs) reloaded reloaded okay thank you i almost said revolutions i was like uh uh i give matrix reloaded a two out of four all right perfect so two out of four from ash and what about you mark um again um watching this in theaters back in 03 and coming out underwhelmed uh i i honestly wasn't really looking forward to watching this or I was expecting a shit show watching this again. And uh, I actually quite enjoyed it. For all the negativity I do give on the special effects and on some of this dance fighting they did, um, I liked it more than I remembered liking it back then. Um, again, though, I did watch a lot of special features that you know kind of closed in the gap of the film from the first film to the Animatrix to this. So uh, I'm kind of feeling immersed into the world right now, and I'm actually looking forward to watching the next film, um, just so that we can finish the storyline, because I think I remember one thing from the next movie, uh, so I'm curious to see where it ends up, because I legit don't remember. Um, but for this one, um, again, not my favorite. Um, I, I shat on it a lot, but it really wasn't that bad. Uh, I would give this two out of four stars. All right, perfect. And I think... If I've learned anything from doing this podcast, it's the more special features you watch uh, after you watch a movie, the more you'll end up uh, appreciating that movie more. Uh, so I, I definitely understand what, where you're coming from there, because if you just watch the movie and you can kind of forget about it. But if you watch more about that movie, it's like, oh, OK, I kind of appreciate that a little bit more. So I definitely understand yeah. what you mean. But excellent. So, yeah, I know I've seen the matrix reloaded before. And I remembered almost nothing about this film on this viewing, unlike the original film, which felt like revisiting an old friend, even though it had been about the same amount of time since I'd seen it. That said, I'd like this a lot better than I thought I would or remembered. I did. Um, it has the same aesthetic as the original film does, which I just love spending time with. Um, I do think that the music overall is weaker in this one and the pacing is a bit off at points. And I'm going to reiterate again, for example, uh, the scene, uh, the uh, dance scene could have had a few minutes chopped off. The the car sequence could have been shortened a little bit to get us to the next plot point a little quicker. Um, But even so, I enjoyed what this movie did. I don't like the lesson that the film teaches, though, and I really feel like the ending is just a complete and utter cop out, which is a damn shame since it feels like this film is going to deliver a higher standard than other action films out there. Um, 
there aren't a ton of great shots or epic moments in this like there are in the original, but it does well enough with the action sequences to keep things fun. Uh, the CGI has not held up very well, which is a real shame because there are a few moments that are just ruined by the poor CGI. Overall, though, I'd argue that The Matrix Reloaded is better than its reputation and is a fun continuation of The Matrix Universe. So I am giving The Matrix Reloaded and I have kind of gone back and forth between my between two ratings, but I, I'm I'm going to place it firmly at two and a half out of four stars for myself. So we got a two, a two, and a two and a half. So that's what I will give The Matrix Reloaded. So next week, we will see where the uh, the quadrilogy concludes, where the series concludes. So Yeah. Excellent. So, all right. Let's finish up by talking about Slasher Season 1, Episode 5, and Episode 6, before we call it an evening. So, Episode 5, titled Ill-Gotten Gains. Originally aired March 25th, 2016 to 0.053 million viewers. And episode six, originally called The One Who Sows His Own Flesh. Uh, Originally aired April 1st, 2016 to 0.076 million viewers. Mark, do you want to take it away? uh, Wait, 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 hang on. Yeah. Ill-gotten gains is titled after what they got when they greenlit the show. Yes. Amen to that. Good Lord. <laughs> oh, okay. Man. So I watched this last night and uh, already <laughs> a lot of it has fallen uh, to the wayside. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did tweet about this film la- or the show last night watching this not hate watching just watching but realizing i don't like one single person on this tv show um i was talking to melissa because we're watching this together and uh so sarah bennett the lead on the show um usually on a show like this like she's being typecast as the final girl because everything's happening around her right right um i would have loved to have the hangman just kill her in episode number five. Exactly. Like, I, I fucking hate her. Yes. I, I, I would have enjoyed that because, not because I don't like the character, but I, I just don't think her character means anything in, in this show anymore. And, and Mark, um, please, 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 pay this, pay this series the respect it deserves. It's the executioner, not the hangman. Oh, shit. I'm yeah. sorry. Jeez. Come on. Come on. It, it just it just shows how much I actually care. Um, exactly. <laughs> so, so, so in this episode, um, our death happens by the uh, – to the it happens to Allison Sutherland, which is the editor of the newspaper. Mm-hmm. Um, so the – Sarah's husband, Dylan, who works at the newspaper, he's the, I guess – TV point man for this national broadcast. Yeah, because Allison um, sucks on screen. Yeah. Apparently, so. But then she blurts out, hey, executioner, let's have a one-on-one. <gasps> okay. Right. Yeah. So so she does, which is silly. Mm-hmm. Um, and he to ask her, did you, have you sinned? And she says no. But she did because she hacked into uh, people's email accounts and or text accounts and kind of fabricated some news, which moved the narration of a murder case, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, so what happened is, so now this is all like, it's in episode five where things are start to, they're, they're starting to be more apparent because the center point of the, of these killings now is over the, um, the abduction or the death of uh, Ariel Peterson. Um, so if you remember from episode, uh, four and three, I suppose, um, the, the two people that died was the, uh, the, the really shitty taxidermist and the wife of, um, uh, Sergeant, uh, Cam Henry. They were the ambulance attendants that had stopped Ariel Peterson, uh, when she was vomiting and then took off because they didn't want to deal with her in the extra overtime. So now in episode five, we discover that Allison, uh, I think she fabricated a text so that it's sh- the police were then looking at Allison's an email. Or me, uh, uh, yeah. I, it was an email. Okay, so they were looking at Ariel's father, who now uh, believed uh, people believe that he had raped and killed his own daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, that's not the case. Uh, he hung himself, and that's why Heather Peterson is such a, a mental health case now. Husband's dead, daughter's missing, never to be found again. So the uh, executioner finds out, or for some reason, that she did, uh, she did lie with this email, and that's why she gets her throat cut. Um, <laughs> so what I find really funny you have though, to leave that in. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was that was the light bulb above my uh, head. Um, what I find really funny. Is is it the end of the episode or the beginning of the next episode where the guys at the the, the guy is uh, at a fast food joint eating onion rings and then discovers that one of the onion rings is actually an ear? Yeah, I they think that then, was the end of that episode. Yeah, maybe. they yeah. then drain the fry vat and yeah. there's a fucking head in it. Right. I worked fast food, okay? If there's a head floating in the grease, there's no way you're going to be able to put a fry basket in there <laughs> because there won't be enough room in the vat for a huge fucking human head and a, uh, and a, ba- a basket of fries. So I kind of laughed at that. Fucking dumb. Whatever. And plus, how did the executioner uh, place the head in there without anybody noticing? I don't know. Oh, and what's funnier as well, is that Allison, the way she gets caught by the executioner, is that she's on her way to New York yeah. to film all these things. A limo shows up. She jumps into the limo, drives off. The partition goes down and it's the executioner. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a small town. There's a limo. It's broad daylight. And he's wearing his garb as yeah. the executioner. Somebody's going to notice a guy in an executioner mask driving a limo. <laughs> That's just because people are nosy. They're going to call the cops. So mm-hmm. all this stuff is fucking dumb. It, it, it bugs me. It just it, it just makes no sense whatsoever. If this was happening at night where she was taking uh, like a red eye, that would make more sense. But this is like broad daylight. And the executioner is able to get a limousine and then drive, pick her up, and then kill her. Broad daylight, fully dressed. Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Um, so that's dumb. Um, we also realized that the priest is probably not the executioner. Right. Uh, even though he's got the tools, uh, he's got a domination fetish and was seen nailed to the cross by a dominatrix with actual nails. 
So it's probably not him. I still think it's Cam, uh, but that's just my... Uh, yeah, I'm with you. I do too. That's just, that's just my uh, idea. Um, but the biggest bombshell, the biggest bombshell, which is out of left field and to <laughs> me funny you say that. made no fucking sense whatsoever. It's like, why is this tacked on? I don't know. Um, so after the ambulance leaves uh, Errol Peterson... A car approaches her, she gets in, and that's the last time she's seen. Well, um, oh, I even know how to. Okay. Yeah, let me let me, <laughs> let me yeah, jump let's in back here. Up. Yeah, go go ahead, go ahead, and go then ahead. I'll let you continue. But it was, so because I, I I wrote down my thoughts as well, and so as much as I have absolutely hated this show up to this point, I have to admit that these two episodes were the most engaging in the series so far. Like, don't get me wrong. This is still a terrible show, but at least they introduced something so fucking far out of left field that it got me interested with this whole storyline about who you're going to introduce, Ian, who abducts, rapes, Uh, and impregnates a 15-year-old girl and then proceeds to keep her locked in his basement as his fucked-up wife calls it, the man cave, with their son for five years. Like, it's so fucked up that it genuinely made me uncomfortable. But yeah. at least the show made me feel something other than contempt for 45 minutes. And this is Chief of Police, Ian yes. Vaughn. Yes. Uh, white shirt in charge of everything, Ian Vaughn. Right. So the end of the episode, even before we see the whole car thing, end of the episode, he comes home after leaving the fast food joint, grabs a beer, opens a door... And we see, uh, we see Ariel with a small child who then turns around and says, Daddy. Mm-hmm. So he's got a fucking family living in a locked room. Like the movie The Room. This is the movie The Room within Slasher. So fucked up. My jaw was like on the ground. Literally like, mine what too. What the fuck? I was left my jaw agape. You are absolutely right. Yeah. So fast forward to episode six. So we then see how this all progressed where he, uh, she said the wrong things because, uh, he thought that, uh, she looked like his ex-girlfriend or ex-wife or whatever it was. And then yeah. she called him a hero, which made him all like horny. This and then he just... pretty much, oh, he parks God. his car, he parks his car and then, uh, violates her well we don't see the violation but he just he you know he he comes on to her and then this he starts forcing himself upon her and then uh fast forward five years and she's got a kid but i'm like you're the chief of police you are parked on the side of the road in your own personal vehicle like how does nobody not see you you know um so guess who the like disgusting scene oh it just made me yeah late. so so guess who the victim is this episode it's 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 ian yeah <laughs> Of course. Which, frankly, um, I was glad to see that. I wish we would have. I wish his demise would have been more graphic, just because he was such a fucking piece of shit. But yeah. Um, now, what I find, what I don't get, because now what happens is that um, Sarah, for some reason, she's a bloodhound, and uh, she's with Sergeant. Uh, she's with Sergeant Henry, and they go to some old. Uh, prostitute or i guess meth or heroin addict who 
I guess her testimony didn't match what she, uh, what the facts show now mm-hmm. from the case of the abduction from years ago. So they go to her and she still claims the same information. But what I don't get is how did they link the police chief to the abduction? Did I miss something? It, it, it's like they, they just leapt forward. I'm like, oh my God, it's, 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 um, uh, the, well, the chief. No, because they don't think uh, it. They don't even mention that idea until she gets into the car with the with the chief at later in the episode, and then she's like, "Oh, actually, this works out for you guys," er, because. And then the chief's like, "Why?" And that's when she realizes it. And it's like, "Wait, what? How the fuck did you make that leap?" Like, well, th- and that, that's no what I mean. Sense. Yeah, th- that's what I no mean. Sense. I'm like, like he drives her home, or you know, he picks her up because she's doing the same thing Errol did all those yeah. years ago. It goes from zero I, to 60 in, in a second with no, with it being completely nonsensical. Yeah. I, I just don't get how she, like, she dawned on herself mm-hmm. or that it dawned on her that he's the one who did it. Why? Like, exactly. I, the, to, the, and is it, it's shitty writing. That's what it is. Yep. Because I just don't get that leap of, of information from, from, from like, you know, it could be anybody, but oh my God, it's the chief and I'm in, in the backseat of his car. Now, I did like his line of saying, you know, the worst mistake you made was to get into my vehicle. <laughs> right. That's yeah. creepy and chilling. I like that. I know. Um, but I just, I don't like Sarah Bennett at all. And, nope. um, I don't understand how she just made that, that, that info leap. I just don't get it. So, um, Man, I wrote down a lot and I didn't realize it. I got really Okay, go ahead. Go, go with your notes. Go with um, your notes. I okay, I guess uh, backtracking a little bit here. So, one thing that I I genuinely loved about episode 5 was the fact that Craig David Wallace, our director, was finally able to deliver some truly awesome shots. Uh the first one that springs to mind is when we mm-hmm. catch the priest having that BDSM session. And we see him on the <laughs> yep. cross staring at Sarah and I forget the gay guy's name who walks in with her. Um, uh, and it's that that bright pink light flooding the room. Like that is such an awesome fucking shot. I love that. That was a cool shot. Yeah. Um, and then the other was when Allison is meeting up with the executioner for the interview and the shot of him standing in the shadow um, or standing in the doorway. And because of the backlighting of the door, uh, it, it's just him in shadow staring at Allison. I thought that was another really well done shot. Um, so it took five episodes. We finally got something worth talking about in terms of the cinematography of the. F- oh, and the show yes. verifies the most obvious and ridiculous plot point that I called back on episode one, and that's the fact that Tom is Sarah's father. Like, duh. Yeah, it's stupid. Yeah. It was so fucking obvious that it p- actually pisses me off that they actually went through with it. But that happened. Well, the the no, we don't know for sure though. She just sees a tape of him banging his mom, but we don't know for sure. He had the he had the paternity test. That's why he oh, got the he? lock of hair. Yeah, that's <gasps> why he got the hair. He gave it to the oh. priest to get the test. The priest brings the test back. He's like, oh, man, I knew it or whatever. And he gets up and gets mad and then comes in later. And Sarah's like, because she sees him fucking her mom. And she's like, oh, Dude. I know you're not my, because it's another one of those. I'm going to, sh- I'm going to make this long drive to the prison because the prisons are always far off. I'm going to come and sit in the room for 30 fucking seconds, have you walk in, get mad, and walk out 30 seconds later. Like, I hate you, Sarah. Ah, I hate you. But anyway. I'm so so oblivious. I didn't even realize that was going on. Oh, yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. So fucking stupid. Oh, that that, that makes sense. Another one. But that, okay, so so Winston is her her dad. Yeah. And the mayor's her grandpa. Yeah. 
bunch of exactly. losies, huh? Oh, my Fucking God. Ridiculous. This town is awesome. I know. So I just yelled. So let, let me continue with that with when I was yelling at my TV. So one thing I fucking hated about this in episode six, I was literally screaming at my television over um, was the fact that at the end of episode six um, and uh, yeah, so Sarah is attacked by by the police chief Ian. For some reason, the cops wait to go to his house to try to arrest them. But when they finally do, they bring Sarah with them. Like, what in the flying fuck would they bring her with them for? My guy, just, I fucking hate the show. Like, that I, was I the did, stupidest. Yeah. a Canadian thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's not. No, it's not Canadian oh, thing. It sure isn't. Thing. It's not in her manual. Yeah. yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, all these cops have flag jackets, but she's going to talk to the right. wife. Hey, hey, boo. I know. You know hey. And that's the, it, it, exactly. To make it, it worse, it, they have it set up so that Sarah is the one to sweet talk her way to the wife's heart so that she reveals where that he has the man cave. Like... It reminded me oh. of any a, a recent Avengers film where the Hulk is raging and it's Scarlet it's uh, Scarlett <laughs> Scarlet Johansson's yeah. character, a uh, Black Widow. She goes, "Hey, this is, the sun's getting real low now. We need to calm down." <laughs> That's exa- like it felt like the exact same thing. Oh. It was so fucking ridiculous. I was just so pissed. Like I was literally screaming at my television because I was so fucking pissed at the overall absurdity and incompetence of this fucking police force and of the writing of the show like, yeah oh yeah my God. <laughs> yeah it's pretty fucking bad like as a whole though episode six for me was by far the best episode of the series i was disgusted and fascinated by what would happen with ariel's story and i wanted like nothing more than to see ian suffer before he got his balls chopped off unfortunately he was just burned alive and we didn't really get to see what happens on screen but i know the yeah. fucker suffered so i do take some solace in that um, and then another layer to that story was the role of Ian's wife, like we talked about, who just needs to be thrown in jail for being an enabler. Like, she clearly mm-hmm. knows her husband is a fucking <laughs> lunatic and chooses to do nothing about it except ignoring it. Like, she is terrible. She deserves yeah. to be in prison. Like, she's horrible. Um, and I'll admit, I kind of, uh, like, I wouldn't say turned up, but I felt something when uh, Ariel was able to reunite with her mom. With her mom. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, it was, that was nice, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, aside from this, like I-, I grew to hate Sarah and Dylan even more than I did before. And I like, I cannot wait to see one or both of them die in the next couple of episodes. The fact that they let like the bullshit in this town tear them apart so damn easily. And that's like, I understand shit happens and people get torn apart, but it just felt so easy for this couple. Yeah. And it just pisses me off and I cannot stand them together. Um, I think that pretty much covers my thoughts at least for the for these two episodes um Mm -hmm. i i still feel that the writing is just as juvenile and immature as any show i've seen make it as far as this one has and and i don't mean like 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 the humor is juvenile or anything like that like i mean that it feels like the writer took one course on how to write dialogue and a story and then this was his first attempt like it's not terrible for a first attempt Mm -hmm attempt but it's also not good enough to be on my fucking tv like it's just poorly done yeah <laughs> like, it was a good course though yeah it was a good course exactly you know he got his money's worth but like keep trying you know um i, I am going to bump the series up from a half a star to one star rating after these two episodes you know so there's a positive at least but hey what can you do and i, and I still am with you i still think cam is the killer so yeah yeah any other, I, again anything else oh, go ahead well i, I i'm not like I think it's it's laughably uh, like laughably bad. Oh wow, laughably. 
it's bad and I'm laughing at it. Yeah. But it's not horrible. You know what I mean? Um, I find it has, uh, it's upticked these last two episodes. Yeah, definitely. Because episode three and four, really nothing happened. But now knowing what five and six is, three and four make a little more sense now. Yeah. Um, but it, I'm glad it's only the episodes. I'm glad we only have two left. And I was kind of eager to watch the last two episodes of last night. Yeah, But honestly, I didn't I, yeah, just I'm because I didn't want to mix, uh, mess with the conversation tonight. Exactly. Um, but it, it is swinging back towards a positive but at this point in time, it's still not a show I can recommend. I'm with you 100%. Yeah. Uh, I, would, I was about to ask Ash. I was about to ask you who you think the killer is. But nope, I'm not going to ask you that. Um, <laughs> oh, I, I could tell you who the yeah, killer no, is. Yeah, no, we're going we're gonna to wait on that. But yeah, so any other thoughts? Ash, Mark, any other thoughts on this? Or uh, are we good with Slasher for today? Oh, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. Ash, you good I'm as good. well? Okay, yeah. perfect. Yeah. All right. You guys kind of covered everything. So. I know. I know. That's why it's hard. I know. That's why I feel bad. It's hard for Ash to really talk about it because. So. Yeah. But, <laughs> all right. So we're going to finish that along with Matrix next week. So that is going to wrap things up for this week. So we are going to be back next Monday, April 16th, to conclude our Enter the Matrix arc with a review of 2003's Matrix Revolutions and finish up our review of season one of Slasher. And we'll also reveal what our next arc is going to be. So make sure you tune in for that announcement next week. As always, if you have a question for us here at the podcast, please hit us up on Twitter using that hashtag InFilmWeTrust for any questions you'd like to have us answer here on the show. And if you're not on Twitter, uh, call us at 1-302-448-TALK or email us at contact.cinefashions.com. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or wherever else it is you might be listening to us. Those positive reviews help us reach a larger audience, which is always the goal. So we appreciate you taking the time to uh, leave us a review and for telling your friends about the show. And another reminder, you can always reach us on social media. We love interacting with our listeners there. You can find us at Cinefessions on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. So make sure you're following along on all of those platforms. And Mark, remind our listeners how else they can find you online. Uh, I am on Twitter at Mark underscore Nadeau. That's M-A-R-C underscore N-A-D-E-A-U. And on Letterboxd and Instagram at Mnadeau02. Excellent. And how about you, Ash? Uh, I, I don't know if I should give that out because I'm currently like scrubbing my existence from the internet for watching Slasher. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait. Uh, D- you can find me on Twitter and Tumblr at D-H-G-F uh, Ash, A-S-H-E. Excellent. And you can find me on my personal Twitter feed at Simon1. That's P-S-Y-M-I-N-1. And I'm on Letterboxd under that same name. Hey, Mark, remember before we started recording, we were like, oh, yeah, tonight will be an hour and a half tops. Yeah, I'm oh, looking we, at the time we right so now. We're young. over two hours. Yeah, we were so young uh, and naive back then. Look at us We're now. silly. We're silly people. <laughs> All right. Another fun night. So thank you, gentlemen, for joining me, as always. My pleasure. All right. So we just want to say thank you to everyone for listening to episode 125 of the Cinefessions podcast. And remember, in film we trust. We'll catch you next time. (laughs) 